Hey all, it's Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you about our good friends over at Burgermaster. If you know anything about me, I crave burgers in my sleep. I do not mess around. Started in 1952, Burgermaster is the best burger chain in Washington State. They have locations all over the Puget Sound in Aurora, Bellevue, Everett, Mill Creek University, and Mount Vernon. Their fresh ingredients and classic driving experience make them the greatest burger chain in the state of Washington. Stop by Burgermaster on your way home from a Seahawks game. You won't regret it. Hey all, Evan Hill here of Real Hawk Talk. Super excited to talk to you guys about our good friend Blake Johnson of ManifestFit.com. Football season is quickly approaching, and it is a struggle to stay in shape while eating burgers and nachos. ManifestFit.com is your one only true online personal training service with workout and nutrition programs specifically based on your needs. They work with clients all over the U.S., and what makes Blake and ManifestFit.com so unique is that they don't believe training should be a luxury item. Now's the time to start. Head over to ManifestFit.com. Click on how to join and fill out the form. Their team will get back to you ASAP and help you start building a healthier, happier, louder Seahawks fan life. The skyline is etched in my veins. You can never put that out, no matter how hard it rains. In my city. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the 268th episode of Real Hawk Talk. This is Brian Nemhauser. Ad hoc blogger on Twitter, and maybe the only person on this show that's been here for every single prediction show uh, for this blog, for this podcast. This is going on many, many, many years, folks. We have had all sorts of guest predictors over the years. We've had Mina Kimes, we've had Danny Kelly, we've had, I can't even remember all the people we've had over the years. And the quality of guests has never been lower. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I think people, you know, people really want to know what this group has to say about the Seahawks. And if we're being honest, Nathan, I, the people that have some of the most accurate histories of predicting the Seahawks are maybe the people that ha get the most shit for their predictions being absolutely outlandish. So maybe we're on to something here. Enough about Jeff Simmons. <laughs> yes yeah, crazy. Uh, you have heard the voices already uh evan hill at evan hill hb on twitter uh nathan ernst at nathan e11 on twitter and what you have not heard yet is the voice the sultry the dulcet tones of jeff simmons at real jeff simmons on twitter boys we're here man it is uh, we're roughly a week away from a new seahawks season and we are here we've already locked in our predictions technically you could get into the spreadsheet and edit before i start reading it but we're here now predictions are locked in we're going to go through it and people are here to find out what's going to happen for the season like it's almost pointless to play the games because they're going to find out what's going to happen in the next couple of hours how are you all feeling like heading in are you nervous at all and jeff you in particular are you feeling feeling good about your predictions you're you feeling a little hesit hesitant what where, where's your head um i'm pretty i've been pretty consistent i'm not nervous obviously i'm a little uncomfortable that basically the entire draft class is injured but <laughs> basically throughout since the draft it's my feelings on the team have really stayed the same like i don't see this as a super bowl team those are when i'm nervous I see this as a good team getting better and with one very, very obvious hole that they clearly have not really addressed. So I see this as an ascending team that I'm excited about, but I'm not nervous because I don't really have 
those Super Bowl expectations yet. That's when I get nervous. When we were in that Russell Wilson window that we can feel was closing, those were the games that made me stress and they made me nervous. I'm not there. I hear you. You know, there's going to be some surprises tonight. And I, I really should have done this if I, if I was, if I was a good host, I would have done this beforehand, but I started going back through our 2022 rankings. I've already found a surprise. Um, I want to make sure this is right. Cause it feels like, no, that can't be right. Okay. There we go. There we go. Um, the 2011 Seahawks ranked 11th in points allowed. And I was like, there's no way the 2022 Seahawks ranked 11th in points allowed. They did not. The 2022 Seahawks ranked 2025th in points allowed. That makes a lot more sense. And guess who nailed that ranking on the nose? Me. Evan Josh Cashman. Evan Hill. As always, always right, dude. Why? How do you do, you do remember, this? Do you remember it was? Was it last year where I where I uh, diagnosed or predicted their like defensive yards allowed per game or points? It was like down to a decimal point. It is. It was really disgusting. Spooky, dude. Telling you, telling it is, you. It is very, very weird. Um, but you're right. You've had. I, I have to give it to you. You've been remarkable on this front. Um. So folks should not be super stoked about some of my predictions that will be made tonight. If, I think if that they should pay close continues. attention. Yeah, but it's not going to be great news if, if my accuracy streak continues. <laughs> um, before we get into <laughs> predictions, before we get into predictions, uh, let's spend at least a couple minutes talking about roster, a cut down. Um, I don't know that there's a ton to get into here. Uh, I saw Jeff and Nathan kind of... Uh, poo-pooing the roster and whether it was that worthwhile and you know have they been not that excited about this roster cut down i want to hear a little bit more about that nathan uh roster cut down could be like a big moment sound like it wasn't as big of a moment for you this year Uh oh did we lose nathan no are you on mute What happened to Nathan How in like now? the last uh, 30 seconds? You hear me? You're, 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 you're there now. Am I back? Okay. Uh, oh, no. Uh, no? You're good. We got you. I think you're on a little delay, though, dude. Okay. <laughs> I, there was, I didn't see, I, like, who, what was the most interesting thing? Like, I think Bobo was set up to be the most interesting thing. And then because of injuries and suspensions and whatnot, like, that just became a given um and so uh, like I, I don't know there wasn't any like i wasn't freaking out about whether one of these like no name defensive tackles that they kept around was gonna make it or like uh, it just didn't seem like there was any real position where there was drama jeff how about you yeah i felt very similar to nathan almost the bobo thing in a typical year is a really exciting story but Brian, I remember we and you were doing that broadcast the first game. And I remember just looking at the roster and I said, one to 40 or one to 45, they're really good. But like after, like from 60 to 90, there just wasn't much there. And like there was just not a lot of interesting battles. Like seeing if Levi Bell made the team was not something that was like getting my arm <laughs> up. And then none of their players got claimed by another team. There was just like, I felt like a league low claims. Only 11 teams I saw claimed at all, which was really low. So 
like uh, the bottom of the receiver group. Um, Artie Burns, who ended up signing the practice squad the day he was released. I just think the team was very clear. There was a clear gap between what they had and what their gaps were and didn't make for a very interesting cut day, to be honest. Um, Evan, any any players on the roster, like on the cut down piece that, you know, you had your eye on or that was, you know, you were excited about or not? Levi Bell was a, was a name that I was kind of keeping an eye on. I was a little surprised to see that he made it back to Seattle's practice squad. Were you guys surprised by that? I felt like he was going to get sniped by somebody. I think his the last game gave me a little bit less thought. I mean, that... didn't he like, sorry, not to cut you off, Brian. Yeah, yeah, like, go ahead. But he didn't he lead the defense in like pressures and QB hits in the preseason? That That seems notable to me. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he had, I mean, this is a guy that had no business making any roster coming in. I mean, sure. I don't think anybody anywhere in the NFL was like Levi Bell. And frankly, most people didn't have Jake Bobo either. I think what is ESPN fantasy had to like add him to their list because he wasn't even in their, in their group. So, I mean, they've had a couple names that kind of came out of nowhere, um, which was cool. Uh, I think the Levi Bell thing's good, but it's nice in some ways when he's kind of under the radar because they can stash him on the practice squad and see what comes of him. So, um, yeah, I, uh, I was happy that he made it. Um, I was a little surprised Tyreek Smith, you know, makes the roster, you know, I'm, I didn't see a ton out of him. I know some folks were bigger fans of him than others. Artie Burns was a little bit of a story. They got a lot of cornerback depth, uh, makes perfect sense that they end up, you know, stashing him on the practice squad. He's a veteran, so they don't have to guarantee his contract for week one this way. And with practice squad rules, they can kind of bring him up whenever they want to play. Um, but I don't know, like, that there was that many surprises. The biggest surprise for me so far has been Derek Young hasn't been put on IR. It really seemed like he was headed to get surgery and, like, we would the next day have a notification. So far, nothing. Mike Morris, so far, nothing. And I'm kind of wondering if they're just like, yeah, we don't really need those positions on the roster. They're not going to be active week one anyway. And so we're just going to let those guys take a couple weeks and then we'll make a decision. I don't know. Are you guys at all worried about the Witherspoon injury kind of nagging along this long? Or is this kind of expected? I think it's bad. I mean, he's a rookie. They're going to want him on the field if they can get on the field. I mean, it's not bad like, oh, he's – He's a bust, but like it's not ideal for sure. But um, what what is the deal with him again? Is it it's hamstring, it's hamstring right? Hamstring. Yeah, I mean those are never those are always a little worrisome because they do just have a a habit sometimes of like lingering. So, but I I, I don't know. I, well, I don't think it's for it yet. Think about it this way: some of the news that came out tonight was or today was that Cooper Cup. Had a setback on his hamstring, mm-hmm. right? And now he's day-to-day, and that's pretty concerning if you're a Rams fan and hoping he's play week one. Would you rather Spoon have been practicing this whole time and you know potentially increasing the risk for a setback? Or even if he misses week one, which is not great, but let's say he misses week one, but then he's he's more stable. The hamstring doesn't bother him the rest of the year. You know, uh, it's not great, but I would rather them take this approach than 
then try to rush him back. Now, if he if he misses the first, you know, three weeks of the season, I think that that's a, a that's a concern. If, I think I'll, I'll, up until missing the like first game of the season, I think I'd be okay with. Beyond that, I'd start getting a little bit weary. I think the only thing. Like, I mean, this this doesn't seem to be something that's going to be, like, career-altering anyway. I mean, you know, you never know. But, like, be, that would be pretty shocking. Um, so, like, I, I guess the only real concern for me out of it is that they don't have, like, the most natural fit at corner beyond him. Um, I don't know about the the guy they picked, what, Kiai, Q, Q, Blue, Kelly, <laughs> Kelly. Kai, Blue, Kai, whatever, yeah, Kelly, uh, it doesn't sound like he's a natural like uh, nickel guy either, so there there may be some like ramifications uh, from that. But I don't know. Like this doesn't. Uh, it feels a- like it feels like they can week one um, elevate Artie Burns from the practice squad to play nickel if they need to. No issues doing that. Kobe Bryant can play nickel. Julian Love can play nickel. Um, maybe Trey Brown can play nickel, although we haven't heard him getting any reps there. So I, I'll i tell you what, it's not on the prediction list here that we're going to go through here in a little bit. I think he's going to play week one. I think he's going to play week one. I think he's going to start outside. opposite. That's my, left. Left. That's my bet. I'll tell you what makes me nervous. Every time I read about Jalen Carter, <laughs> man, it's, I got to do that. Jeff. To be alive. What, what is a, a recent thing you've read that's made you nervous about Jalen Carter? Um, I read, Someone was down to their camp and they said he looks like like the number one overall pick kind of guy. And all four of us really wanted him. And there's a glaring hole in this team. And if he comes out and he's like, I can't remember who it was. Someone wrote that like someone in their building mentioned Aaron Donald and they had to calm them down. And I was just like cringing reading it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, it's done. Yeah, it's yeah, done. Yeah. They weren't gonna pick, but, but. I, I, every time he gets a sack, it's gonna hurt this year. Oh god! I'm just telling you. Oh, I'm yeah. gonna be. I'm gonna be retweeting those plays. Yeah, yeah, it'll hurt. It'll hurt. Look, I mean, we've we've picked D. Eskridge in, in not so uh, distant history, and we've we've seen what it's like to to deal with uh, opportunity cost terror. So, you, you know. It is certainly going to be challenging. It is why I think we were all united in, even if it's a risk, you just got to kind of roll the dice and hope it works out with Jalen Carter at that pick. They didn't go that direction. I think Weatherspoon, we're going to talk about this very soon, but I think I'm still very bullish on Devin Weatherspoon. I don't totally, I don't feel like this is a DS Gridge Creed Humphrey situation. I think Devin Weatherspoon can be a star in his own right at a valuable position. And so I'm I'm pretty bullish on him still. Hopefully that that confidence turns out to be well um, well placed, but we won't know till the the pads come on and he starts getting into. Uh, what are you? Light. What are you more? What makes your stomach turn more? The Witherspoon uh, Carter thing, or the more direct uh, Eskridge uh, Humphrey comparison with Charbonnet and uh, JMS? Definitely the latter. I, 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 as much as I wanted them to go with Jalen Carter, I very much understood the process there and understood where if they looked at this guy, if they hadn't even brought him in for a visit 
and they kind of just thumb their noses at this of like, you know, he's not good enough for us. We don't try. like, I would have been frustrated about that, but this guy, he basically blew off his, his pro day. Couldn't even like compete. Like there was a lot of things that were just antithetical to who they are as a front office and as a leadership team. And it's pretty hard to say, we're going to go against everything we believe in to bring in a guy that, you know, at the top pick we've had ever. So I understood that. Um, drafting a running back in the second round, second year in a row, that's going to almost necessarily be a backup when you have a chance to draft a starter um, at it. I think, I, I think a, a moment, a place where you've had weakness. That one's harder for me, for sure. That one's definitely harder for me. How about you? Oh, I love the running back pick. So I don't feel any. <laughs> yeah, I got no yes. Yes. Okay. All right. Well, this takes a while, so we should probably start getting into predictions. Um, I will give you, uh, I quickly, and I think this most likely is accurate, but I did it kind of as we were talking. So uh, there might be errors in this. I went back through and, and totaled up our predictions from last year. Um, the most important prediction was the season prediction, wins and losses. There is only one person on the entire Hawk Blogger crew that predicted the Seahawks to make the playoffs last year. So let's just like time work back, time work back to last year at this time. None of us, none of us had them even making the playoffs. Like that was uh, Mr. Evan Hill, who I was uh, shining a light on as, you know, this expert prognosticator. He predicted they would finish two and 15 last year. Oh, I was, I was embracing the tank. Yeah, I, I I wanted it to happen, which is why I, you were such a big fan of Drew Locke. He was, he still is, he still is. <laughs> this is the year to take. I have no comment. Um, that. the only person on our crew that picked them to make the playoffs and to have a winning record, Trey, Trey Howell, Trayton Howell, our wonderful intrepid production assistant who puts all the pods together for us after we we post. He predicted they go nine and eight and that they would lose in the wild card. What did they do? Anybody? Exactly that. Nine and eight. They did. Lost in the wild card. They did that. They went nine and eight and they lost in the wild card. So I think Trey gets the crown. But as far as the random predictions we do every year, kind of the prop bets, Evan for the second straight year tied in this case for top with Jeff Simmons. So they Ooh. both had six correct. Uh, Dana and I were in second place with four correct. Nathan, it's pretty low down there, man. You had two, two, two correct. Um, so they were probably really smart ones. <laughs> yeah, you want to know what you got right? You got right that Daryl Taylor would have less than 10 sacks, he had nine and a half. So <laughs> you were very close on that one. And you were correct that Geno Smith was going to be over passer rating of 92.5. Um, and to uh, to my credit, I did come around very quickly on the playoff uh, thing. I I, uh, I was hot true. on Trey's coattails. You did. did. This is true. You were. This was like a weird, awesome, like inversion that we experienced last year, where Nathan was like more optimistic than any of us. Except Trey. I loved that. Yeah. That yeah. Was fun. Yeah, uh, I, I really regret not actually officially putting it in the uh, spreadsheet, but I very quickly uh, bought in. I went for it. 
Yeah, yeah, that was good times. I, I enjoyed that. All right. So let's get into this year's predictions. Um, and we, as as always, we start with the schedule and then we'll get into the prop bets uh, secondarily. Um, and we kind of go by quarters, uh, four games at a time. Now the NFL, annoyingly, has gone to 17 games. So it's not going to be an equal 4-4-4-4. But you get the point. Um I will walk through just from an expediency standpoint and kind of talk about week by week and, and we'll kind of, we'll, we'll pause on a few, but we won't go through every single game um, for this first week. Uh, this is home against the Los Angeles Rams, 125 kick home opener. You got to love it. Every single one of us, except for Trey picked a victory in this game. Um, is this a hard pick for any of you? Evan. De define hard. Like, do I think they're going to win this game? Yes. Do I think they're going to win this game by like less than seven points? Also, yes. <laughs> Interesting. Anybody else? Yeah, I stewed on this one for a little bit. Uh, it's week one. I mean, at the time I filled this out, I thought they would this would probably be the healthiest they'd ever be and all that. Uh, the Cooper cup thing obviously makes us feel a lot better. Um, and just, yeah, I don't know. It just, uh, I had a little bit of pause. I still don't know. Like I, obviously the Rams Super Bowl window is, is gone, but I don't know if I think they're going to be terrible. Agreed. Agreed. Nathan. I think their demise is a little overstated. Yeah. I don't think they're going to make like a deep playoff run or anything. Have you seen their depth chart on defense? Yeah, it's rough. They're going to score a lot of points on offense, though. Not with like Cup, Not with Cups out. And I mean, and Stafford could be totally toast. So, like, if they win two games, I'm not going to be surprised. Uh, but I don't know if that's necessarily what I'm – I just don't know what to expect, I guess. Well, that's so the thing is, is, I mean, the Seahawks did not face uh, Matthew Stafford last year. Um, he was out by the time they were, were playing him. And, and Cooper Cup was out. Um, I believe I have to double check, but I think he was out and, but they did have Jalen Ramsey and uh, you know, Aaron Donald, still Aaron Donald. They also had Leonard Floyd who they don't no longer have. I mean, there's a lot of differences. So we're not going to, we're not going to go into full preview mode for this game. Cause that will take forever for each of these games. But I do think the Rams, there is a chance that the Rams are better than what people expect. I think that's, that's a fair, fair point. And First game of the season, you have the least amount of information about who you're playing. There can be surprises. Pete Carroll's teams haven't always been the fastest starters um, in general. So I think there's some risk to this game, but I feel I didn't, I didn't really hesitate on this one. This was, I think the Seahawks are clearly a better team and it would be a, it'd be a big deal if they lose this game. It'd be a big deal. Uh, okay. Moving on. They immediately go to Detroit, probably arguably the most entertaining game of the 2022 season was in Detroit. That was week four. The Seahawks win that game 48 to 45. They put up 555 yards of offense, 235 yards on the ground. Um, they gave up 520 yards, over a thousand yards of offense in this game, almost a hundred points. Uh, I believe they were like 
I don't know. There's one of like very few teams uh, of like a lot of these good coaches or something that had won a game where they gave up 45 points. It's not an easy thing to do. Not something you want to make a habit of. Um, interesting. This was a pretty split decision. So uh, I had a victory. Dana had a victory. Josh had a victory. And Trey had a victory. But Derek, Jeff, Evan, and Nathan all put in the L's. So, Jeff, let's start with you. Uh, this is a pretty quick L. Where, where were you on this? No, it wasn't a quick L. I actually think Detroit matches up pretty well for Seattle. But if you remember that game last year, it was like a crazy shootout. It was a back-and-forth game. And it took like every Rashad Penny crazy run to win that game. And I just figured they'd be on the other side of variance this time. Because I figure, figure they're very similar teams this year. They're actually built very similar fashion. I just think their offensive line is just the edge. I kind of give them on that game. The Can I tell you why I put this as a loss? Yeah. Lions had what? Top three, top four rush. I think it may have been number one overall last year in their rushing attack. Yeah, they added, line. they added um, uh, Gibbs, I think in the off season. And, you know, I don't think this run defense is better than last year. This is what we've been talking about all off season. Yeah, there's some, some, you know, maybe some question mark names that could step up. Draymond Jones, I know Jared Reed, but like, I think they're going to have a real hard time stopping the run against this Lions team. And if they can't do that, this, like, let's not forget that this, that Lions team, like, loves Dan Campbell and is like culturally fully bought in over there. And when players and teams, play you you know when they're willing to run through a fucking brick wall for their head coach i'm just saying stupid things can happen so i think that combination of those two things this could spell disaster for i think you guys are all kind of forgetting i want to imitate something and see if who am i okay the ball is going that way who am i jamal adams no nathan knows Mm -mm. no the ball's going in the opposite direction and I'm running the opposite direction. And I'm I'm a defender at the goal line. Oh, Cody Barton. Cody oh. Barton. You don't remember <laughs> that in that game. You don't remember oh, that in uh, that game? Yeah, yeah, I yeah. mean, they are without Cody Barton. That's at least a two-touchdown positive difference for the Seahawks. I think you guys are underestimating that. Uh, I also think it's worth calling out. This was a game that – you know, Josh Jones was playing for the Seahawks. Uh, you know, Quandre Diggs was really bad at the beginning of the year. He, it took him most of the year to get back to where he was a passable, um, you know, player in the secondary. You know, uh, there's some – Tease Tabor was getting snaps in this game. So, I like, the, there's a lot of differences there. Uh, I do think, you know – the Lions are going to be missing one of their receivers who's on suspended list. Who knows? But I, this was not an easy prediction for me. So um, I went back and forth on this one. I, I think it easily could be an L, but I'm starting with a W. So we'll keep going there. Uh, next game. So they're flipping flopping. They're going home. They go away. They go home again. All right. They're, they're home. And by the way, that Detroit game is a 10 a.m. start, which hasn't really been a negative for the Seahawks under Carroll. But uh, in any event. Then they're home to Carolina. Now, this is against the number one pick. 
every single one of us other than Josh Cashman, who is just such a negative Nelly. I mean, just <laughs> so pessimistic. He has an L for this game. I, I would love to know. And if Josh is listening, please uh, let us know how you came to that decision. But this feels pretty straightforward, right? I mean, the Carolina beat us last year. Yes. The crap over. <laughs> um, do you remember who was the starting quarterback for Carolina in that game? I don't remember that game at Sam all. Darnold. That's it right, Sam Jeff. Darnold. It was Sam Darnold. He can't hurt us, uh, at least at, in that well. game. <laughs> You know, Evan well, talks we'll about see. Josh. Don't, don't get uh, Evan talks about how much Josh Jacobs humiliated us. I think it's debatable whether that was more humiliating or Chuba Hubbard right and Dante play. Foreman. Yeah. Oh, that's right. Oh, helping no, no. to total 223 yards. I thought that game was way more demoralizing. That was humiliating. They did the same thing to Detroit. If you remember, they ran for 350 on Detroit or something. Yeah. It was not good. Not good at all. Um, so, and they did that in Seattle. Like, this Seahawks team did not really have like a clear home field advantage for the past few years. So I don't, I, what I saw Bryce young, did any of you see Bryce young in, in the preseason and say, Oh man, this guy's the next big thing. He kept getting knocked on his ass the whole time. Didn't he? There's a lot of that. I saw they like mediocre a, passes. They have, they, they have, they have a really tough build for him though. Their receiving core is awful. Yeah. They got Adam Thielen as their number one receiver. Who, if you if you saw the Vikings play last year, he couldn't run at all. And they have DJ Chark, and then their offensive line, like Nathan said, it, a lot of the guys that they had at the end of the year got hurt at the end of the season. Like Austin Corbett's on pup, and they can't block right now. So <laughs> it's not a good situation for a small guy. So their offense is going to, and they went from those running backs you mentioned to like a slow Miles Sanders. It's going to be ugly there this year. I think so. They had a good thing going. Evan, you're going to say something? Reconsider. It would, just be, it would just be really embarrassing to lose this game. So it's possible. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, none of us would be surprised to see the Seahawks lose to Carolina at home and then go on the road and beat the 49ers. Like that is a Pete Carroll type of team. But I, I don't think that's I I don't think that's going to happen. Um, so. Everyone but Josh has got that as W. Let's move on to, again, flip-flopping back on the road. This is a Monday night game at New York uh, to face the Giants in October. And Nathan and I have this as a loss. Jeff has this as a loss. Um, so does Dana and Trey. So Derek, Josh... And Evan have this as a win. Evan, this was, a, this was again, a lot of like rematches from last year. I thought the New York game at home was one of the Seahawks most impressive wins. I, I have a lot of respect for the way that Giants team played last year. I think they're wonderfully coached, like overall on their defense. Wink Martindale's like that guy, you see even pictures of him on preseason. He's, not a guy you look like you want to mess with, but uh, 
I don't know, man. I, I, I'm interested to know why you're confident, why you got that as a win, Evan. I'm curious to know why you're pessimistic about this game. Why are all of you guys pessimistic about this game? You really believe you're confident in what they're building over there in New York. I am. I am. Uh, one of the, they were one of the teams that would have gone into the same attitude. I watched them a bunch in the preseason. I can't wait. Really impressed. Uh, Sort of what Brian said, their coaching is fantastic. Nathan's guy, uh, Dable, looks like one of the best emerging coaches in the NFL. With And the way they're built, they're really strong in the interior defensive line. And Darren Waller, if he can stay healthy, they look pretty – like if they can coach around Daniel Jones with that defense, they kind of look scary. So I, I think Seattle will be a better team ultimately, but I don't love that matchup of Seattle trying to block those guys. and. Mm-hmm. Evan, it's as simple as when a team prioritizes a starting center over <laughs> a backup running back, you know, it's it's kind of an easy choice. Yeah, Schmitz, that's going to be fun. I could, I, I guys, I, I ultimately put a really positive record for Seattle this year. I think, um, I think this offense is going to be top three in the NFL. And this is one of those games where they're going to go in and put up 35 plus points and they'll give up a ton of points. Um, but they're going to win this game. The Seahawks have had a lot of good history in New York way back. Like, I mean, even right. like the Brandon Browner fumble return for a touchdown was a big moment back in the early day. Do you remember that play? Anybody? We, oh, yeah. Yeah. we even had like, do you remember that five pick game? I think yeah. that the LOB had it was it was yeah. like four or five something yeah. like that. Sure, well, yeah. Yeah. I was like Sherman would tip him back to Earl and stuff like that. Yeah, those were those were great games. I don't think this is an unwinnable game at all. I, I'm with you there, but I I think the Giants are second tier NFC team, and I think at home on Monday Night Football that was what put it over the top for me. What, uh, what tier do you have the, the Seahawks in? Oh, we'll, we'll get there. Okay. Okay. We got there. You got. You got. We got to reveal right. the full schedule prediction before we get to tears. But I'm just. Um, yeah. I'm just not Daniel Jones. I'm just not. No. No, the Seahawks would never <laughs> crap the bed against a mediocre quarterback like I don't know Colt McCoy or. Okay, that's like that mediocre. That's like a very generous word for Colt McCoy. <laughs> it's probably generous yeah, for Daniel Jones too, to be honest. Daniel Jones is better than Colt McCoy. Yeah. I'm not worried about Seattle matching up against a mediocre quarterback. I'm worried about them matching up against like God awful quarterbacks. Yes. I I actually think you're right. I'm dead serious. (laughs) I'm not kidding at all. My Trey Lance gives me nightmares thinking about playing against him. I kind of agree. I, I, I mean, we won't go into a whole Trey Lance, uh, conversation, but He's a guy that I feel like will do a bunch of really stupid things that you can't really prepare your defense to deal with. And he will run. And those kind of guys are tough. But guess what, Evan? Daniel Jones is kind of like that. He does a lot of pretty stupid things and he can run. Um, and he makes really stupid faces the whole time, which makes it even harder to to stomach um, when he does it against you. But this secondary will make him pay. I Look. You know, hope so. They better. Saquon Barkley ain't no joke either. So I, I think I think we'll we'll see how that goes. 
I think that'll be a fun one. And uh, let's talk about where we are at the quarter mark. So I have the Seahawks as three and one to start the season. Nathan's at two and two. Evan's at three and one. Jeff is at two and two. Everybody else is three and one. Other than Trey is two and two. So, um, you know, nobody's starting off slowly. No one's like a below 500. Although two and two with that schedule isn't the best start. But okay. Now, week five, bye week. Not ideal. Not ideal. But it is what it is. Um, week six. Okay. After a bye week, which has not always been Pete Carroll's best, um, especially when they travel after a bye week, they go at Cincinnati 10 a.m. game. Uh, yeah, nobody's picking those Seahawks in this game. <laughs> There's L's across the board. Uh, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibilities, but it feels pretty hopeful to think that they're going to win that game. What What needs to happen for them to win this game? The secondary has to be as good as as we like. Mm-hmm. Has to be on the top end of our predictions, I think. If JSN is healthy, this could be really one of the real fun games of the year because it's the three best receivers going against the three best receivers, and it could be a crazy shootout. Seattle, Cincinnati lost both their safeties, and I think Atlanta. That's an area Seattle could pass all over them if they can hold up. That could be a really fun game. It could get into shootout territory yeah. Mm-hmm. where Seattle's receivers match up very well against that secondary. I've got something even simpler than that. Joe Burrow just came back onto the practice field like this week, right? He was injured six weeks out though. And I don't know. I don't, I don't know how much I think that <clears throat> Burrow, like that's not how he, how he wins. So you know what? This could be a DK Metcalf game. What makes you Where say he, that? He just blows the top off the defense. Goes for 200 plus yards. I think DK Gino's Metcalf. Got, Gino's got a deep ball. Yeah. I think it's one of the most fascinating stories is DK Metcalf this year because we've there's so much focus on JSN for, for good reason. And then Tyler Lockett's always Tyler Lockett. It's almost like DK's a little bit in the in you know hidden and you just wonder if he's going to be the biggest beneficiary of JSN. I think it's totally a fair yeah, fair question. All year. Um okay, well as of now we've all got that as a loss. Uh let's move on. So they come home again, so we're still, you know, going back and forth. Uh 1 o'clock start against Arizona. Exact opposite. Everybody's got this as a win. Cardinals are a train wreck. Yeah, you know, Kyler Murray is not expected back this year, or, or does anyone have any different information on that? There's a lot. I'll just say this: there's a lot of fans that are thinking here that he's going to be traded, like in the next year or so. So I don't think he's going to be rushed back. Honest question: If Colt McCoy was their quarterback, <laughs> would it have given any of you pause in picking the Seahawks to win this game? Oh, I'd mark it as a loss. <laughs> you asshole. I'm being dead serious. <laughs> I mean, uh, I have too much trauma there. Yeah. I mean, I get it. Weird uh, shit happened. Wait, is that in Seattle? It's in Seattle. Okay. Yeah, it's a little safer. Yeah. Josh Hobbs? Is that is that? Dobbs. 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 Thank you. Dobbs. Yeah. Yeah, we can call him Hobbs. Oh, my God. But that's the LJ Collier revenge game. Oh, yeah. 
Did he make the roster for Arizona? <laughs> I think he started for them. He's probably their starting like left guard and defensive tackle. Maybe they're starting. I guess maybe speed. that was a dumb question because I know they're <laughs> really bad. They're really doing a good job of tank. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty clear what they're doing, right? Yes. Smart. It's smart. I'm not willing to call them smart yet. That 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 group down there. I'm still hoping that this uh corruption case or whatever is going on is going to cost them the first round pick next year and i oh. hope it's the number one overall pick that'll be freaking amazing did you see the burner phone story that <laughs> yes, came that's out what I'm talking about. <laughs> it was so good <laughs> uh, that'd be great um oh, okay man. uh moving on um they now have back-to-back home games at this point against cleveland so this is at home against the browns uh I will not make a joke. Uh, I'll just play this one straight. Uh, everybody's got this as a win other than Trey has this as a loss against Deshaun Watson and the Browns. I thought this one was a little bit, you know, Deshaun Watson and Russell Wilson had one of the all timers in Seattle uh, back when he was in Houston. Any of you feel like Cleveland could rise up and, uh, the running game, offense, uh, Miles Garrett. Any hesitation here? Is it too? Is it too early in the year for Watson to have been benched? Because benched? It's, DTR. Yeah, yeah DTR. if it's Dorian Thompson Robinson, uh, that like if that's the week that they put him in, there's no that could way. Be there's no way, right? right? I don't think they right. have a sneaky good roster. No, but Deshaun Watson is on. But, yeah, yeah, but he wasn't two. good last year. But like, his deals. Here's the thing: it's psychologically like if you bench that dude year two into year five of a fully guaranteed deal, like I don't know. Like I think that money's going to buy him some security, job security for a little bit. There's zero chance they're benching him. No, they can't. They'll fire the coach. That's what I'm saying. Well, they might fire the coach if they don't bench it. Like, if they're like, if they're a two or three win team at that point, right? If they're going nowhere, like, Stefanski's then incentivized to do what he can to win, right? Yeah. It's a long shot. I know. They they got a messed up thing going on right now. I love the the question. I think that there is infinitesimal percent chance that 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 would happen i I, i'm with evan that ownership like they they basically put a stadium's worth of money into this guy guaranteed like i don't know like they're going down with the ship with him (laughs) optically like you just have to you didn't have to say they're going down uh with him that's not appropriate at all evan i tried to keep it clean you had to go there so um all right, let's go uh, next week at Baltimore, 10 a.m. game. I've been a Seahawks fan too long because basically almost every one of these teams, I'm like, ah, man, they've had some great games. They have had some amazing games in Baltimore. Uh, this goes all the way back to even like the Holmgren era. Uh, they've had some amazing games there, timeouts that weren't taken or called, all this kind of stuff. Um, but everybody other than josh and trey have this as a loss this is this is going to be a very clear clear loss for a very specific reason 
This is the Judavian Clowny revenge game. Oh, this is the first time they've played him? I think so. Yeah, I don't think yeah. so. Who was no Tennessee, no Cleveland. No, but on a serious note, they're gonna absolutely kick our ass. Like that roster is so much better than us. Do you think the the Ravens roster is so much better than us? I mean, it's maybe not so much better, but it's better. Very similar. Do you disagree? I don't think they're a they're not a, a top team. I, I, you know, they got they're got an interesting offense emerging with their new coordinator, but their defense. If like you look at their defensive line, it's not great, and that's. So, they're really like a lot of the, and their corners are hurt. So a lot of their money's out inside linebacker. Who's hurt in their cornerback group? Marlon Humphrey's hurt. I think they had to sign a couple guys off the street. Yeah, they're just they're a good team, but I don't think they're a great team. Yeah, I think they're Cleveland. I think Cleveland's got a better roster than that. Yeah. I I think their defensive line is I mean, Michael Pierce is good, but I think their defensive line is pretty mediocre. Their inside linebackers are okay. Uh I mean, I lo- Marlon Humphrey is one of my favorite players in the NFL. I, I, I had a super sports crush on him coming out of college. I was just hoping somehow the Seahawks would get him, and they never had a chance. But my guy on the Ravens is that I have my eye on is Zay Flowers. Like, I think Zay Flowers. I, I really yeah, liked dirty. him. Um, I think Jeff even mentioned him certainly before I was on him. Uh, and uh, I think he could end up being – if we're talking about Odell Beckham, I think Zay Flowers might be their best receiver. And the crazy thing is, if JSN had went, the Seahawks were going to take him. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. I think they, 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 there was indication that that that's the case. In any event, that'd be a tough game. I don't think that's I don't think that's an unwinnable game. I'm to me, that's not a like. There's no way. I think it's I think it's a roughly a coin flip kind of game. I must Cashman in the, on this one. He's in the chat, and uh, that game we went to it. That was not a fun game. <laughs> that was a miserable. Oh, yeah, we were all at that game. Yeah, a little traumatized. Yeah, I could see us having a hard time stopping that run offense, though. Yeah, dual threat yeah. with Lamar, like uh, yeah, Dobbins, like I, I love Mark Andrews. Like I don't know, I just is it is Greg Roman still their OC over there? No, they got now? they got Todd Munkin from Georgia, and they're gonna go like wide open three four receiver sets kind of let lamar loose which is interesting he's never played like that before so i think that's a really i think that's a really interesting way to go with the ravens because jackson in a spread kind of system instead of just you know wing t (laughs) running all the time there's he's a space he's a space runner like i i think that that could be really dangerous so i think that's that's that could be really interesting to watch um, all right, so ha- roughly halfway through the season at this point, I've got the Seahawks at five and three. Nathan's at staying steady at four and four. Evans at five and three. Jeff also four and four. Dana's five and three. Josh very bullish six and two. Uh, Derek is five and three. Excuse me, Trey's four and four. Before we keep keep going, what level of concern do you have if at this point in the season eight games in the Seahawks are 500 I'm not concerned at all but if they because I I think the way that I have this breaking is like toss-ups I have them losing and uh you know games they should win I have them winning 
Um, so I'm not really giving them a lot of benefit of the doubt here because like you mentioned earlier, like Pete Carroll teams don't always start super fast. Um, so like, I don't like four and four to me is, or, uh, yeah, four and four at this point. Right. That's yep. totally reasonable to me. Like, you know, obviously you'll see how they look and everything, but I don't think being at four and four at that point is bad, but if they're less than four and four, then they've messed something up. So like four and four fine. But then I feel like there's a big drop off because now if you're not like you've lost maybe the Rams game, which sucks. That's a division game. Maybe you lost that Panthers game somehow. That's awful. Um, you know, the Browns game, I get, I don't remember if I had them losing the Brown game or not, but anyways, so I, I just feel like there aren't like past four and four, there are not many explainable losses. Jeff. Um, to me, it'd be understandable because anytime you read these articles about the best division in football, it's the AFC North. All four teams are good. And you're playing three of the four teams in the first half of the season, plus some other decent teams in there. So you want to, if you think Seattle can compete, that's a big one. But I wouldn't be that. I picked four and four, and they're right on track for me. It's just, those AFC North games are really a good tell for them because that's widely considered the best division in the league this year. Here's my take. I think if the Seahawks are not above 500 after eight games, then I don't think the division's really an, uh, a possibility. Uh, and, you know, you might say it's not a possibility from the beginning, but I think the back half of their schedule has some real, like some a really challenging stretch. I think the start of their schedule is not easy, but I think it's easier and so if they're going to have to climb uphill in the back half of the season, I think that's going to be really rough. If the division, I think they can still make the playoffs if they're 500 midway through, but I think their chance at a division is, is pretty, pretty, pretty much gone. If they're a 500 team after eight games. Yeah. It's, it's a good point. Um, all right, let's keep going back half of the season. This gets interesting. So, so they're home against the, uh, not the, the commanders, um, the, the, uh, emancipated commanders, uh, from their, their past owner. Um, and everybody's got this as a win. That sounds like a trap game to me. <laughs> I mean, was there anyone that that was a little surprised at the hype that the commanders got for their quarterback in the preseason? I mean, Mina was even singing his praises. Evan, do you even know who the Washington Commanders quarterback is? Their quarterback? Yeah. Is it Brissett? Jacoby Brissett? It is not. But he's on there, right? He's the backup. Oh, okay. He's the yeah. backup. Wait, Nathan, do you know who the starting Sam quarterback Howell. Oh, shit. Right? Am I right? I think so. I think Sam so. Howell. Uh, Sam. Yeah. I get it. He's fun. Like, he, he is the type of player that you get excited about in the preseason. I mean, Terry McLaurin's a great player. I don't know that they've got a lot else other than that. Um, that, that's basically it. it's like the commanders well they got a rookie or not a rookie but like a you know a sophomore quarterback he could be it so maybe you know who knows there and uh terry mclaurin and but it's their defense 
Chase Young, maybe he's back, maybe he's not. You've got Deron Payne, you've got Jonathan Allen, you got Montez Sweat. And let's not forget they've got Cody Barton. He's a uh, is he the, uh, wearing the green dot for them? <laughs> I hope so. I think he is. I hope so. No, I wish Cody Barton well. I don't expect it to go well, but I wish him well. Um so I, I you know, could they be a defense that holds the offense down for the Seahawks and they're able to grind out enough yards in the ground to make it tough and McLaurin makes one play? I don't think this is a this isn't an 80-20 game for me. This is more like a 60-40, you know, percentage probability that the, the Seahawks win. So I, I think this game is a, is maybe one of the biggest trap game potentials, um, especially coming home after playing against the Ravens. Pete is going to do that thing. He does it every year, one game a year. <clears throat> and I think we've hit this with, with the commanders before where they, they try to sandbag like their playbook and they don't want to show anything on offense. And they're like, we can win with 13 points and, you know, we'll just uh, outlast Sam Howell and it's, you know, 12 to 10. And then, yeah, Terry McLaurin busts the 87 yarder. And now you're down, you know, 17, 12 or something stupid. Yeah. Lose, so that yeah. that's the, the game script that we don't want to see here. Yeah. Um. All right. So we then go on the road to the Rams and we've all got that as a win, except Derek has that as a loss. So I want to point out that Evan's got the Seahawks going two and O against one of the worst coaches in the NFC West, Sean McVay, uh, which I think that's just good to know that you've, you've come to your senses there, Evan. Seattle is going to be a dark horse this year. They're going to win some games. They're going to go love far. it. Love it. The wins people, I'm guessing people are not counting uh, on their behalf, uh, uh, our behalf, but I'll keep the totals going. Evan's got a lot of wins in this, his column. Um, then all the way until week 12, before we play the San Francisco 49ers. 5:20 game on Thanksgiving in Seattle. A Thanksgiving game in Seattle. That is wild to me. I never thought I'd see it. We should go to that game. I am going to be at that game. You guys should come. That'd be fun. That'd be a really fun game actually. I think my wife would kill me. <laughs> Wait, That's is it Thanksgiving tough. Day or yeah. the it's a night game? November what? November twenty-third. <laughs> That's moderately tempting. That's, <laughs> That's moderately tempting. Oh my god. You know, that is a that is maybe a wait and see uh, uh game. You know, if 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 the Seahawks are playing above expectations and the 49ers are, you know, at or below, then that becomes potentially a really fun game. Yeah. For sure. I did not realize this was a Thanksgiving game, and I'm going to be sick from now until that game is over at the thought of them getting revenge on the Sherman eating a turkey oh, leg no. on their logo. You know what though? They they can never get revenge on that because if Nick Bosa is supposed to sit in his ass on the Seahawk logo eating a giant ass turkey leg, they got revenge. I, I Cody don't Allen's know. not gonna be about it any. felt like Brock because it, it's Russ and Sherman. And so if it's Brock Purdy and Bosa, 
Yeah, I I I, I totally know where you're going. I guess in my mind, that mattered because it was that Seahawks team against that 49ers team, and this is a this is just like a different Seahawks team. So, but that's not how the internet works. You're gonna see that picture (laughs) in your timeline. I know. You're a hundred percent right. I won't feel that. I won't be that broken up about it. But you're right that a lot of people will see it that way. Um, in any event, predictions. Evan and I have this as a W. We have the Seahawks winning this game. Nathan and Jeff, you know, Debbie Downers, they got this as a loss, as do Dana and Derek and Josh. And uh, Trey has this as a win. So uh, Evan's got them on a little bit of a heater right here, as do I. We both have them with a three-game winning streak uh, with this win which is would be kind of fun. Um, and then from here, we go from – I don't understand how the schedule makers do this. This seems crazy to me. They, we go from a Thursday night at home to a Thursday night away. Back-to-back Thursday night games, is that like a thing? I don't, I've never seen that, or at least I didn't pay attention to it. You guys? No? Yes? I think they started it last year. I don't remember. I mean, I guess it's a week. It's a week difference, so better that than maybe a Sunday game. I don't know, but it feels a little odd. Um, so they're gonna go on the road to Dallas again, five fifteen on Thursday. Uh, Evan has this as a win, man. Evan's man, got them I winning. I really want to four... chase this right now. I want it. I'm not gonna do it though. I'm not this gonna is gonna be the nadir of the season, I think. This is why I'm not nervous. This stretch is just this is a brutal like this brutal stretch is not fair. It, it's yeah. really not only the people, the teams they're playing, but the way that they scheduled these games is next level. Yeah, that's why I'm not nervous for this season. It's crazy. Well, Trey and Derek, Evan and I have uh, and Evan have this as a win. Uh, Nathan, myself, Jeff, Dana, and Josh have this as a loss. That gets us through the first 12 games of the season with me having the Seahawks as eight and four. Nathan, coming along here at 500, six and six. Evan's got them at nine and three. Dude, I've never wanted you to be right more. Uh, Jeff's got them also at six and six. Dana seven and five. Josh is eight and four. Derek is seven and five. Trey is eight and four. So we're starting to get a little bit of separation here, you know, from Evan at nine wins to you know Jeff and Nathan and folks at like six wins. Um, I'm up at eight, so I'm feeling good if the Seahawks are eight and four after these 12 games. I think everything's still on the table if they if they're 8 and 4, especially if one of those wins is against the 49ers. Um let's let's close this out and then we'll start getting into the props. So, uh rest of the season left here, five more games. So, keep in mind folks, Thursday night Thanksgiving, home against San Francisco. On the road on Thursday again against the Cowboys. Now, on the road again, now this will be a longer break. So it goes Thursday to Sunday, but at San Francisco. So they play San Francisco in basically two times in three weeks, home and away, with a visit to Dallas in between. Uh, 
Kevin, you've got this as a win, dude. You got them winning is, five straight here. That is amazing. This this Niners team is like very top heavy in terms of talent, and I think there's gonna I think there it's possible they're gonna deal with some real injury issues throughout this year. I I think there's a real question of whether of wondering who's even gonna be starting at quarterback in that in that week fourteen for them. To be quite honest, I think that's I think that's fair. Um, I will say that the 49ers will be coming off uh, a game at Philadelphia the week before. So that is their Super Bowl. I don't know if you guys have paid attention to this, but there's no love lost between the 49ers and the Eagles. There's people talking about it being like the best rivalry going. I mean, I don't know if I buy any of that, but they're they're talking it up quite a bit. They're going to potentially throw their bodies into that game more than they would normal week potential that it's a little bit of a letdown to have to come home and face a, a Seahawks team. If this game matters the way you hope it is, maybe that's a game when Seahawks steal their, steal their hearts a little bit. I don't think it's crazy. Yeah. I mean, at this point in the season, you're, these games really matter in terms of divisional title and, and, you know, um, divisional rankings. So I, I don't know. I just, I'm giving Seattle the edge on this one. Jeff, you have got the Seahawks losing both games to the 49ers. Any hesitation in, in those? Like you feel pretty confident that they're going to lose both those games? Yeah. Um, I just don't – I think they're going to match a lot better against their skill guys on like that playoff game last year. But it's just the way Shannon can scheme run game against our run defense is just so hard for me to think like Seattle in that matchup. So – I think one thing they'll be able to do a lot better this year is just handle some of their guys in space. If you remember that playoff game, and a lot of those guys were – that playoff game had Tanner Muse and Cody Barton at inside linebacker. Yep. And they had Josh Jones and John Abram, and they're a lot – and Debo Samuel is just like running everywhere. and They're a lot better for that. And I think that's why they took Witherspoon and why they got Julian Love. And they're a lot built to match up against them. But, again, that just – our run defense by that point of the season just – hard for me to get excited about that i think it's fair and and i think it's also fair to point out Tariq woolen or reek woolen now had a, a lot that was probably one of his worst games trying to cover horizontally in that game um didn't didn't look great so i think look you know i think the 49ers are real good um it's hard for me to see the Seahawks not taking one out of two from them this year, though. Uh, I mean, we'll, we'll see, obviously, as we get into it. But I I do feel like they've closed the gap enough that I expect the Seahawks to take at least one of those games. But uh, I think they probably need to take one of those games if you really want to have any shot at the at the division. Um, all right, so let's keep moving. Uh, so now the Seahawks, God, this is brutal. Then they go on the road. Uh, so then, then they come back home. They play the Eagles. Yeah. I, I need. I need. I need you guys who who mark this as wins to tell me why this is a win, because uh, logic does not agree with that. Well, and there's only two people that mark this as a win. It's kind of funny. It's Jeff and Nathan. Explain yourselves. Go for it. Um, Seattle always wins one of these games that just doesn't make sense. It's like the hallmark of the Pete Carroll era. And it almost happened like every kind of year like this where 
And I'm sure I remember, like, they've had some pretty good success with Philly over the years. So kind of hoping myself, convincing myself into this one because Philly has by far top to bottom the best roster in the league and probably the worst matchup for Seattle. But I'm just pulling one of these Pete Carroll games that just doesn't make sense that have almost become the hallmark of his era. And there's no real logic behind it because if I think about the matchup, there's just no way. Yeah, I mean, I kind of had the same idea, actually. Like, I I think that they're going to have – I feel like I'm I'm buying into a storyline here with the Seahawks where they kind of start off slow, they have good games, they have some questionable games, they're kind of 500, and they hit a really rough skid with that Niners-Dallas-Niners stretch. And that's the point in the season where everyone's like, well, shit, why did we bet on Geno and – I think there's going to be some strife. And and I think the Eagles game is where it starts to turn around. They've had success against this team in the past. Um, they're going to beat a good team. Like, you know, if you think they're going to pull one off the Niners, I mean, the Niners are the other best team in the NFC. So, like, they're going to beat a good team. And I think they're going to get better as the season goes on. And they played well against the Eagles in the past. So, I think that they grab this game and they go on a run. Is the Eagles' second-string defensive line better than our defensive line? hundred. Yeah, I think so. Probably. I don't even know who they're. God. They got pass rushers all over. Interior. Fletcher Cox, Jalen Carter, Brandon Graham, well, that's not Josh. Their, that's, that's no, not I their know. Second but... string. No, I don't think they're there. They're, it is. They don't really have Jordan, da- Jordan I, Davis, I Milton Williams, Derek Barnett, and no, and you got to put. Um, Jalen Carter in there. Well, can't was Jalen Carter or Jordan Davis? Who's the starter? Oh, their depth chart has Jalen Carter as the starter. Yeah, I think that three tackles like that is great. Yeah, that's stupid. It's just the Georgia defense, too. This was the team that was playing college football two years ago. The the yeah. Eagles went seven, Nicobe Dean, uh, Noah Smith, uh, Carter, Davis. What the fuck, George? That's insane. It is really insane. Okay. So this we're down the stretch we come. Um, the Seahawks now go back on the road. Is like there is no there's one part of the stretch where they have back to back home games the whole year. They're going on the road. And that also means they only have uh Technically, they have two times where they go back to back on the road, but one of them is broken up by a bye week. Um, but that's just wild. Um, so after Philadelphia at home, they go on the road to Tennessee for a 10 a.m. game. We've all got this as a win. I think that's a little wild. I don't think Tennessee is that bad of a team. I think this is not quite a coin flip game to me, but I, you know, if you're worried about the run defense, Tennessee's got some horses to run and. Uh, you know, I don't think it's crazy to think that the Titans win that game, but anybody was, this, was, a, was this a really tough choice for any of you coin flip? No, they're, they're kind of falling off the rails. That team, they're, yeah. their offensive line's really bad. This is a Christmas Eve game, December 24th. That would be a good trip. That's where I want to go. I don't know if I'm going to make it, but that would be the trip I would go on for sure. Um, all right. Then they come home to play the Steelers. I have a lot riding on this. I've got some folks on my team at work that uh, that are from Pittsburgh. So I, I was talking a lot of crap today about that. Um, 
Uh, there will be some bets for sure. Uh, we all have this as a win. I don't think the Steelers are chopped liver either. It depends on how the quarterback position plays out, but I think that defense has got some horses on it. Um, but I don't know. Was this at all challenging? Anyone have thoughts about the Steelers they want to share? No. No. If Kenny Pickett take, takes like a really big step forward, He's definitely not even the best picket on that team. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, all right. So then it ends with a game in Evan's backyard in Arizona. Okay, um, I don't live in Glendale, for the love of God. Yes. Uh, <laughs> and <laughs> I love it. Uh, Evan is the only person picking a loss in this game for the Seahawks um you you have such hot takes why why Evan is it really that hot of a take to say like bad things have happened in that stadium before not usually losses though just usually injuries yeah this is the game they win by 27 points but Gino breaks his leg oh Jesus yeah oh god put put if that happens <laughs> then you get Drew Locke winning playoff games for you. It's a good point. No, it'll be Holt Nailers. He'll have he'll have come back to the practice <laughs> squad and have been elevated by then. Um so grand totals here. Grand totals. By the way, that that Nathan and Jeff have the Seahawks finishing the year on four game win streaks against Philadelphia, Tennessee, Pittsburgh, and Arizona. Philadelphia is probably the furthest stretch there, but the, the other three seem like a reasonable bet. So I've got them at 11 and six. Nathan's got them at 10 and seven. Evan at 12 and five. This is a guy that predicted two wins last year. Uh, 12 and five. Jeff at 10 and seven. So he and Nathan have been pretty much neck and neck the whole way through. Uh, I think Josh is at 11 and picked. six. Derek's at 10 and seven. Trey yeah. is at 11 and six. So Evan Hill is your high water mark. Um, and then let's see. I think it's Nathan and Jeff are the low at 10 wins, which is not a bad record. Me and Jeff independently picked the exact same. We made identical <laughs> every game all the way through. That's adorable. I know, right? So what amount of wins... I want to get all of you on record here. What amount of wins this year would not be like? What amount of wins get Pete Carroll fired this year? Let's go there. We haven't talked about what's a successful, what's a a successful season in terms of in in season record this year for this team? 11. 11. Okay. Jeff, what defines success? From a win total, don't give me the yeah, like yeah, these right. guys yeah, take a step forward. So big, like if yeah, I think eleven. That's a step forward. Ten, I'd be okay with, but I wouldn't call it successful. I go so eleven. Think, Eleven's a good number. Brian, you think it's unsuccessful if they win ten games? I was focusing more on what's successful, and eleven wins for me is is very clearly a successful season for this team, um, especially with this schedule, with the fact they've got like. 
20 odd, 22 odd, you know, rookies or second year players on this roster. I mean, it's a very, very young, inexperienced crew. Mm -hmm. And it would mean Gino would have played well enough for that. Um, And the defense wouldn't have been a total disaster. I don't think you can, I don't think that the defense can be the defense from last year and win 11 games. I just don't think with this schedule, I don't think it's possible. Um, So yeah, I think 11s, I mean, I I wouldn't be pissed about 10, but I, I think it'll feel like treading water if they win 10 games. Tell me you feel differently. Why? I don't know that I think I feel differently because I was just about to say, I think this team is treading water. Um, and I picked them to win 10 games. So I guess that makes sense. <laughs> so 10 is your answer? For success? I mean, I think a 10-win season is still successful. But I don't I don't feel for like... For this team right now in history with this head coach and this roster. Yeah. 10 yeah. is successful. Okay. Dude, have you seen okay. that sk- there, the, have you seen that schedule? Like that? No, it is. It's four or five losses right there. Like also, like ten wins is is good. I mean, I know it's not a sixteen game season anymore, but still, ten and seven is nothing to to sneeze at. That's a good year. That's a really good year. I don't think it's interesting. I don't think that's a really good year. I think ten and seven is the new nine and seven. Like, I think it's like a good year. I don't, I don't know. Nine, year. I don't, I don't I think nine and eight is the new nine and seven. <laughs> I hate that they changed potato potato. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, interesting. And, and then just finishing this off, uh, I have them losing in the divisional round to end the year. Nathan has them losing in the wild card. Jeff has them losing in the wild card. Dana, Josh have them losing in the divisional round. Uh, Derek has them losing in the wild card. There are two people, Evan and Trey who are picking the Seahawks. To do what, Evan? I will let you do the honors. Where, where, where is the season going to end? They are going. I think the season's going to end in the NFC Championship game. I just can't tell you whether or not they're going to be hosting it and who they're going to be playing. Uh, I think. Th- I think. <laughs> I think the vibes are right for this team. I think it's going to be a magical year. We're going to win some games that we shouldn't, and there's a lot of things going right. I don't, I don't think this team is treading water. I think they're on the upswing and culturally everybody seems to be bought in. There's some real um, uh, chips on shoulders here. And, and I think that matters. That makes a difference emotionally, psychologically. So I think it's just going to be a magical year. I don't think they're going to go all the way or anything, but they'll, they'll go further than the divisional round. How, how crazy does that sound to you, Jeff? Um, a lot would have to go right. I just think in the conference, there's two teams that are way better than everyone else. And Seattle's but, in that. But Jeff, would a lot have to go right? Because like this offense, our expectations are like top three in the NFL. Yeah. I just think for you to jump Philly or San Fran, something crazy would have to happen. But I think they're right dead square in that next tier. If they go to the divisional round and put up a good fight, to like be in the top two for me, they're ascending in that direction, but to me, they're just, they have that giant hole. For me, it's so hard to see. Yeah. I mean, I agree with a lot of what you said, Evan. Uh, I think they're building in the right direction. I don't think it's going to translate into more wins this year though. And that's, I mean, they made the playoffs last year, like treading water at the, making the playoffs while adding guys like JSN and Witherspoon and other guys here. That's not bad. So like, I think the team is, 
directionally good. Uh, but like they were a very good offense last year. They weren't top three. I don't know that they'll be top three this year. But like, you know, they laid an egg against Tampa. They lost to the Panthers. Uh, they tried to blow that game against the Lions and, and Jared Goff. Like, uh, this is a team that, like, you know, to expect them to get a bye, uh, I think that's a, a that's a lot. Uh, and so then you're expecting them to win two playoff games. I think that's a lot. Um, so I, it's not impossible by any stretch, but I don't think it's likely at all. I think for what Evan, for what you're talking about to happen, by the way, I'm like one, one game short of what you're predicting. So we're not super far apart, but I think what has to happen there is that the young players, you know, the rookies, the second year guy, they're going to have to grow in the second half of the year. They're going to have to like hit a stride and become great players. And we saw that happen with some of the rookies last year um, for the Seahawks. Um, I think you're going to have to see the offensive line get stronger as the year goes on, not have what happened last year where they really like caved at the last half of the year. Um, so I think those are things you're going to have to have, you know, good health as you usually do for these situations. You might also has to have injuries to other teams. I mean, we talk about the 49ers all the time. That team, no team has had more injury issues than the 49ers. They're already experiencing additional injury issues we don't know what's going to happen with them. So I don't think it's, I don't think it's crazy. I, I, I just. Okay. Okay. Here, let me yeah. paint a picture. Yes. This offense top three in the NFL. I think we all have high expectations. I think it's possible. I think it's realistic. This secondary should be, you know, upper echelon in the NFL elite corners, elite safeties, this linebacker group. So, so what if this defensive line, is okay. What if they're like, okay. I don't think that's possible. You, you don't think it's. I don't, I think the front, the front like, guys can be okay, but the, the six of them. Not like, I mean like not bottom five, but like bottom 10. I don't think that's enough. You don't think it's enough. Like if this group is 20 is like 22nd instead of 32nd. In how run much defense does... or just like defensive line play? Uh, overall defensive line play. Look, it's just hard. How do you make the NFC Championship the twenty second best defensive line? Scoring. Oh, yeah, the Patriots have done game. it. I mean, there's been some pretty bad defensive. My group. hope, guys. My hope is riding on this offense this year. Yeah, that's that's my whole point of the season. Like, I'm just they need to. They need the offense needs to carry this team. Yeah. You know what's gonna be one of the most fun things, Evan? What? When. JSN is healthy and able to play and it's going off. And after week one, Jeff is like, they're going to the Super Bowl. <laughs> I, I'm, just, I'm just telling you the second we get humiliated by another Josh Jacobs game, I am absolutely showing up to a post game show in a fucking garbage bag. I just want you to know that there will yeah. be another garbage bag coming out. I know. I know. It, I, I feel so burned by this defense, not even by this team. I feel burned by this defense for the last decade, whether it's been their secondary that we thought was going to be good and then was not even average, but awful. Uh, the scheme itself was really bad. The coaching was bad, you know, and then all of a sudden last year, they went from having a good run defense to having an atrocious run defense. And now they seemingly have taken a step back in terms of 
the strength of their guys on the defensive line. I, you know, as much as I like Bobby, he's older. You've got Jordan Brooks coming off an ACL. Like, I, like I, I don't want to just fall into the trap I always fall into, which is like, if this happens, like they should be okay. I, I think I'm, I'm in the mode right now where the defense is going to have to play well for multiple weeks in a row before I start believing. And then they're going to probably absolutely destroy my heart again, but I need to see it. I need to see a, I need to see a team that is going to run the ball against them and that they're going to stop it repeatedly and reliably. And I need to see a secondary that actually is not giving up, you know, the same play. I don't want to see Mike Jackson get picked on seven plays in a row you know, I just, I want to believe, and I think they're going to have to convince me to believe on defense. I'm not going to go into the season expecting this defense is much better. Um, so that's, that's where my, I think maybe Evan, I'm a little bit more, uh, hesitant and, uh, offensively, I think, well, let's talk about it. Let's switch over and talk about predictions, um, on the prop bet side. So we're over an hour in, how are y'all holding up? You still with good. me? This is good. Good, good. All right, we will try to we'll try to move quickly through these. They do take some time. Uh, if you haven't already, please give the show a like, uh, subscribe to the channel, and go to Patreon.com/slash/HawkBlogger. Sign up, get immediate access to the Slack channel, where you too can be part of this growing community for the whole year. And your subscription uh, contributions go to charity. So we donated over two hundred sixty thousand dollars to charity. In large part, thanks to all of you. And this is going to be a fun season to be part of the community. So, so please go over to patreon.com slash hawkblogger. Okay. All right. So let's go ahead. And the first one here, directly related to Evan, to your pick um, about the offense. The first prediction, over under. And in this case, over means better. Under means worse, just to be clear. And this is for the Seahawks offensive rank. Where is the Seahawks offense going to rank in points scored? Last year, they ranked ninth. The over-under here is, are they going to be better than fifth in the top? Are they going to be in the top five? That's over. Are they going to be under the top five? That's under. Um, Evan. Wow. I, I'm you, surprised to see how many unders there are. You, Dana, and Josh are the three people that have them in the top five scoring offense. Wow. I'm actually shocked to see how many of you guys put them underneath. Why are you so confident? What was that? Why are you so confident? Uh, their, their reinforcements at running back, wide receiver, offensive line taking another step, hopefully buying into Gino into a second year. There's no reason they shouldn't be um, a high-performing offense this year. This offensive line better take a step forward, especially at the tackle position. Uh, I think we need Damian Lewis to take another step forward. I think this, the, the positions, the, the moves they made at center to address that position, I think will help. I trust the lions guy, Evan Brown. Um, but it's nothing we haven't spoken about. Like JSN is, you know, an elite, I think is going, is going to be a really productive wide receiver three, you know, this team, sh- this offense should be fully healthy. They should be producing. I think the difference between this offense being like a number three, uh, you know, most productive offense versus like eight or nine, if you guys have them under, 
I think that like would totally catapult um, or totally reduce my expectations for them. If they're a top 10 offense, if they're just a top 10 offense this year, I would totally revise my predictions for how many wins they get. They were 50 points uh, away on the season from being a top five offense last year, 60 points from top three. The Chiefs were the number one offense and they scored almost 100 more points uh, in the season. So, like, I I don't know. It's, I think JSN is going to be really good. Um, The offense could get better. Um, But, you know, pointing to uh, a rookie wide receiver and a backup running back uh, and saying, hey, that's going to catapult you. You know, but, it, but it's, like, I think but it's not, getting, though. I think the thing that's getting underrated, like, uh, are, are forgotten about this team, they, they were good last year. I think, I don't know that we've ever really fully, like, uh, absorbed that they were legitimately good. Geno Smith led the league or the NFC in touchdowns? NFC. Okay. So, like, it, it's hard to go higher than one. <laughs> so you're asking him to like go from a year where he leads the league or leads the conference in touchdowns to more. I and mean, I let's not forget that he slumped hard the second half sure. of the year, sure. right? Like, like there was a I lot mean, of opportunity there. Right. I mean, but then, so we're talking about Geno Smith as an MVP candidate, which maybe, yeah. I mean, sure, maybe, but like, that's not a, that's just not a small thing. Um I think that's I think that's reasonable to to have some question there. I think Geno Smith has more upside, and we'll we'll kind of talk about that in a bit. But for me, Evan, I actually I think you and I actually see it pretty similarly. The thing for me was actually kind of thinking about the schedule, and I think the Seahawks face a really challenging schedule from a scoring perspective, defensive perspective, and. You know, they had some games last year. They had a 48-point game against the Lions. They had their, you know, big scoring game against, uh, what was it, against the uh, Saints. They scored 39 points against the Saints, uh, 34 against the Raiders. Like, they had some big games. They had 37 against the Chargers. So, are they going to have a better scoring season this year than last year? That's where I I had a little bit more hesitation. I think they're going to be better. I don't know if I could get to top five. That's why I was I was under. I think I did my I, prediction when JSN was injured. Now I'm starting to wonder. I have a lot of confidence in in this offensive line. I think they're going to be a really solid group this year. I think the two rookie, t- I guess they're not rookies anymore. Second year rookies are going to take big steps at tackle position. I think Charles Cross. We're going to see a, some really good stuff from him this year. I think he's going to build off of what he did last year. I don't know what to think about Phil Haynes. He's kind of like my question mark. Well, Bradford's looked pretty interesting. Yeah, could Phil Haynes like is it is it possible Bradford just takes takes that job from him? Like yeah, like a few weeks in even. I think Bradford's way too inconsistent. Yeah, yeah. All right, I think the only that happens with injury, but um, it's possible. I, I think Bradford's pretty raw, but he showed he showed a remarkable ramp. Um, his trajectory in the preseason from his first game to his last game was significant. Like he was a much different player. And I think he's starting to, to shake off some of the the rough edges, but I think he's a project. Um, yeah, he shouldn't be playing this year. So I, I think this is going to be the question. This could be the question that defines the season. If the Seahawks can be a top five offense, then I think all of us would agree that, you know, 
can a top five offense make the NFC championship? Even if they have a mediocre defense, then yeah. And I think that's kind of where Evan's head's at. Um, I think the rest of us is probably pivotal. I I just don't know if the rest of us see them getting to that level of productivity. I've talked about it. I just, when it came down to predicting it, I couldn't quite get myself. So let me just say one last thing here. Yeah. Austin Blythe last year ranked by PFF as the worst starting center in the national football league. Okay. Sure. Pick your metric, whatever, but he wasn't (laughs) the top center in the NFL. How much of a difference is between him and Evan Brown? This, this cast off center that was a backup and then got a starting job for a little while and seemed maybe okay. This time it's different. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Let me have hope. Okay. Let me have hope. But you're saying, no, it's not a big difference, basically. I mean, maybe, maybe, maybe it is. Maybe this is the time it's different. I but think maybe physically like, he'll hold up a lot better. Hmm. Say more about that, Jeff. Uh, like, Blythe was really undersized. And the second half of the year where his body started to go and he retired pretty quick, he was getting like bowled over and like pushed over. Brown's 320 pounds. They haven't had a center that big in quite a while. So I think, I don't think Brown has like crazy upside or is that exciting, but I think they're just watching them guys just like what we saw with Joey Hunt a couple years ago. I think he could be similar to like Posick, not what Posick's been in Cleveland, but Posick and Justin Brown. I think he can be with somewhere in that, that range. Evan, um, I think you like him because his name is Evan. Uh, I also would say that <laughs> it's your give you some hope in 2021 he started for the the lions at center for for a number of games and via pff for taking for what it's worth he was the sixth ranked center um from a pass blocking perspective you know behind guys like creed humphrey and Corey lindsley and alex mack so he is not i don't think he is the same as austin blythe austin blythe never had a season where he was that highly regarded so i do think evan brown's a little different and i do agree that jeff with jeff that having a guy that has a little sand in his pants that is not going to just get bowled over and bull rushed uh and embarrassed like joey hunt does um i think that's gonna be helpful so here's the other thing i'll say too on this like we're talking about the top five offense and and what does that mean for the season does anyone know who was six in offense last year in points scored sixth I don't was your San Francisco 49ers Mm. as much as we talk about them and the defense and and all of that. uh, And as, as much as we have like the quarterback stuff gets talked about for them, they were a very good offense last year. Like, so, you know, the idea that, Hey, if they could just be top five, that, that could make a difference for them in the NFC. I don't know. <laughs> like the 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 Niners aren't going to be just like their their top five offense and defense. If if Brock Purdy had started uh, in the Denver game, uh, the Seahawks would have Will Anderson right now. So, um, yeah, back when they lost eleven ten to the uh, Russell Wilson Denver Broncos, but no <laughs> doubt, Forty Niners Forty Niners have a lot going for them. Um, we are still on the very first of these. We got a bunch more to go, so I'm going to move us along. Um, the next here goes to the other, I think, very critical thing we've talked about, which is the Seahawks' defensive rank in rushing yards allowed. 
And this was the 30th ranked team in rushing yards allowed. Nathan, by the way, thinks this is the most critical stat and is always looking at this. So this was a really important one for him. Um, the debate here was, was where, where people were going to rank it this year. Um, Trey was the most bullish. He had them going all the way up to 17th. Uh, Evan, what was your prediction? Mine was 32nd because they deserve zero benefit benefit of the doubt this run defense was fucking garbage and humiliating last year and i had to go to therapy because of it because josh jacobs put up 432 yards from scrimmage on us and ran for 84 yards to win on a rushing touchdown in overtime against us they deserve zero benefit of the doubt fuck that position group do better they they did though i mean they they tossed that position group out like the the truth in the chat has been going nuts about us ignoring Bobby and Reed, but like I mean, to their credit, Ooh. like I don't, the I don't know. And Reed. I know. I know. I, know. I mean, so, on the one hand, <laughs> no, sorry, keep going. Make that noise a little more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they added a thirty-five-year-old Jaren Reed. Reed's red. Oh, so exciting. <laughs> okay. Yeah. On the one hand, they did make a big change there, so that's cool. Uh, they needed to, um, but yeah. On the other hand, it's uh, you're starting defensive tackle and defensive end Mario Edwards, Jaron Reed, and uh, yeah, Cam Young, Draymond okay. Jones. No, I know Draymond Jones. Yeah, oh, obviously, yeah. I'm leaving him out for effect, but yeah, yeah, yeah. It. I think we have every reason to be uh, debate this uh, or to be skeptical here. And, you know, a little bit hard to, to, to square 32nd rank run defense and NFC championship, but we'll let that slide. Cause I, I, I don't really care about all these. They don't all have to line up. That's just in my mind, but I, I actually, that made me laugh out loud when I read your prediction. Um, can you imagine if they honestly, if, if they're the 30, if they're the dead last, they go, they get worse. Imagine worse as a run defense this year. What happens? Clint Hurt gets fired. <laughs> I, was gonna say, I don't think Clint Hurt's back. <laughs> I'm just, I'm just tired of that though. Pete Carroll might like literally disintegrate. Yeah. It wouldn't I mean, be healthy for Pete. <laughs> Yeah. I don't. Th- I don't think it's crazy the idea they'll be worse. I don't get it. I don't think they can be worse. Just one injury. Yeah, but I just think even having Bobby Wagner there, it's just a lot of their big runs were not just defensive line. It was just like their it was linebackers level. and yeah. linebackers and safeties. Like the the Josh Jacobs one, Evan always references. Watch the play. It's Jordan Brooks and it's Josh Jones that caused the whole play. It's not the defensive line getting pushed around. Like that yeah. happened in Carolina. A lot of their plays last year was because they had these Cody Barton, and then by the end of the year, Jordan Brooks wasn't even playing. Josh Jones, Quandre Josh Diggs. Jones, had- like there were, I'm telling you, there was a lot of plays that were directly, and Quandre was coming off that injury where he was like he was making business decisions at, at a lot of points last year. Here, here is the thing That's that I, I think we yeah. could be totally wrong about. I think we're spending a lot of our time focused on the defensive line for run defense. And this is getting to Jeff's point. I think that the safeties could be one of, and the corners to some extent could be one of the biggest differences in run defense this year. I think Julian love 
is going to be a significant difference than the guys they're running out last year in run defense. I think that if Jamal Adams does play, I think Jamal Adams is a big difference in run defense and, 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 and tackling in that situation. Um, hell I've so far looked wrong. Devin Bush looks like he can be a guy that helps. Um, he looks faster and more athletic than the guys, definitely than Cody Barton, a hundred percent more than Cody Barton last year. So I do think that guys outside the line can make a difference. And Daryl Taylor was a massive part of the problem on run defense. He could not set an edge. I think Boye Mafe is already better and could take another step forward there. And I think that Derek Hall may be better in run defense than Daryl Taylor was. And maybe Daryl Taylor will be better at run defense than he was last year. So I think that we spent a lot of time on the defensive line. We may find that to Jeff's point, it's a lot of the other parts that needed to get their shit together. And maybe they will this year. Yeah. I have one more. Oh, go ahead, Jeff. I was going to say like third and one, that's going to be a tough, tough thing for this team. But I think what made them so bad last year was first and 10. Yeah. Second and 10. Cause they're, they would just get blown off. And then there was no one really that was knocking guys back. And so I think the ancillary parts of the team can, will, and you can scheme around a lot of that. They can be fine. It's just, I share everyone's concerns about the interior defensive line talent and depth. Um, I have kind of a hottish take. Dana, if she's still around, should plug her ears. I think Sean Desai is gone for a reason. Um, I think a lot of what we're talking about, I think uh, Griff, uh, C-Mex Spin Move, Matty Brown, they've talked about a lot of what they thought was wrong with the run defense last year, what they have liked from what they've seen in the preseason and how they're doing run fits and things. I'm not going to pretend to be smart enough to, to relay any of that. Um, but I think that they were of two minds last year i think they were split brain between how pete and clint wanted to do things and and you know pete's background uh and trying to chase some of the fangio stuff and and what they wanted to bring in with sean desai um and i think some of those mistakes could be cleaned up by having a uh clearer purpose on defense clear focus on defense i think you're right i think i think this is just the thing. It's a lot of speculation, you know, it's scheme, it's coaching. It's these players that aren't directly on the line. It's these guys that have never been that good journeymen that are somehow going to be better than Al Woods, who was really good at one. Like there's a lot of things that have to kind of prove out. So I think, I think skepticism is fair, um, which kind of gets, this isn't the next one in our order, but it's related here, which is the the prediction around, this one blew me away, guys, when I went back to do the numbers on this. Maybe it doesn't blow you guys away, but number of games that opposing teams rush for 140 plus yards. 140. That's not like a mediocre. That's like you're gashing a team when you when when you get 140 plus yards rushing. That happened 11 times last year. 11 times out of 17 games. No wonder we're scarred right? Like that's, that's atrocious defense. Um, it's amazing. The team made the playoffs with that, right? But like any event predictions here, how many this year, if it was 11 last year, how many times are opposing teams going to rush for 140 plus yards this year? <laughs> Nathan, since Evan's uh, not here, he cracked me up. You, you both cracked me up. You predicted more. You, you got him at 12. <laughs> 
Yeah, I was just being. You're right. a smart ass, aren't you? Yeah, I don't. I, I had. I, I didn't know what to do, um, so I did something dumb. <laughs> Seemed like the answer. Jeff, you had them down at seven. You had some improvement here. It's not like that they're now dominant, but you had them at seven. Any any thoughts there? No, that sort of reflects what I just said. I think the defense. I heard a lot of what Nathan just said from Griff. He's been talking about the Desai stuff for quite some time. And those guys are really encouraged by what they're seeing just schematically. And I think if you put Bobby, just having Bobby's ability to identify, I think that can cover up a lot of where things got out on the second level. I think that can hold things a little tighter than last year. Yeah. Yeah, I had them at six, so I was the most ambitious there. It's not like amazing to have six teams run for 140 plus yards against you, but it's roughly half of what what happened last year. So, uh, you know, <laughs> Evan was was the uh, most pessimistic with 13, so I, I I got a kick out of that. Um, I will say one more thing on this. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. Lopez in the the chat is saying we had Josh Jones, Jonathan Abrams, Cody Barton, Tanner Muse out on the field. That's true, but like this team's gonna have injuries, um, and I, they're probably they're deeper, I guess, in mm-hmm. in the linebacker group. But you know, they're a Jaron Reed injury away from a lot of Cam Young and maybe like Roderick Thompson or or something. Like, I mean, teams are gonna have injuries, and you're gonna play. You're gonna have Tanner Muse out there for some games. That's that's just, that's true for every team in the NFL. So. You can't just look at that and be like, oh, well, we won't have any injuries this year. I mean, it's football. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. Um, all right. So let's let's switch over to the offensive side of the ball for a second. We talked a lot about Geno Smith. Geno Smith is a pretty big key to this year. We all agree. Yes. Um, he was very good last year. Uh, the question here was um, over under. Is Geno Smith's passer rating going to be over or under 100? And for folks wondering, last year is 100.9. So uh, every single one of us predicted over. Every single one of us. Is that surprise any of you? Surprise me, Evan did. Really? <laughs> I mean, I think we all. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Just listening to the podcast, I think we're all, we all think they're going to be really good on offense, right? Like whether it's top three, top five, or top ten, they're going to be really good, and that's going to be driven by Gino. Yeah, I mean, passer rating. I know a lot of people hate that stat at this point. It's it's old school. I still like it. It's fine. I think I, I like all the stats, but but uh, it's an easy one, and it's an efficiency stat. And for him to do that, it's going to mean that his interceptions, I think that to me is the biggest question mark. I think he's going to put up yards. I think he's going to put up points, score touchdowns. The biggest difference with Geno Smith last year and Geno Smith earlier in his career was his interception rate. And early in the year, he actually was really good in even not throwing a lot of turnover worthy throws. He was just making good choices, amazing throws. As the year wore on, he tried to do more and made some really, really really bad choices and was very lucky that there were a lot of turnovers that didn't happen. So if he's making good choices this year and he keeps his interceptions down, then this happens. I I, am very confident if he's back to throwing a lot of questionable balls, then, uh, you know, that's, that's a big deal for the season. So, um, that's, that's the big piece there. Interestingly, we talked about this a little bit. This is also for a Geno Smith prediction. Where will he rank in the NFC? Not the overall NFL, but the NFC in passing touchdowns. 
He was number one last year. He was fourth overall in the NFL. I think this is one of the least told stories. I mean, everyone thought Gino had a good year, but you're talking, he is like right after like Joe Burrow and, and Patrick Mahomes and Josh. Like, I mean, he's right there with the guys in passing touchdowns. The only guys that thrown over 30, you know, last year. Um, so where is he going to rank this year? Uh, Dana and Nathan and Trey picked him to repeat as number one. Um, Jeff, Jeff was uh, fourth. Josh was fifth. Jeff, who's the three quarterbacks you think are going to throw for more touchdowns than Gino in the NFC? Where did I put him? Fourth. I will go Jalen Hurts. I'll go. <laughs> Such a mean question. <laughs> yeah, I don't even remember. I must. Have, I think you know Is what it a was? mean question. You know what no, it was? because uh, yeah, go ahead. I said the, the. I think I did this day the the day that JSN got hurt. Or <laughs> you're just in your feelings. <laughs> and I was in my feelings. I'm like, oh, everything good they've done is gone. They don't have a third receiver again. They're gonna be okay. I think if there was three, it'd be Dak Hurts and maybe Purdy. Uh huh. So interestingly, just to give people for everyone listening, this is probably a surprise. Um, right behind the closest NFC quarterback to Geno Smith was Kirk Cousins. He had one fewer touchdown. Also, Jared Goff, one fewer touchdown. So. Aaron Rodgers was after that. He's no longer in the division. Tom Brady, no longer, sorry, in the conference. Then you drop all the way down to 13th to get to Dak Prescott, who had 23, and Jalen Hurts, who had 22. So you go a pretty far distance down. I mean, people, Daniel Jones had 15. I mean, he had half as many passing touchdowns as Geno and got more money uh, thank God the Seahawks are not committed to Daniel Jones, but um, those are names that don't come up. No one likes to talk about Kirk Cousins and Jared Goff. I think both of those guys, especially Jared Goff, there's reasons that he could have, he could be in that conversation. I think Dak Prescott, there's reason to think that maybe he could take a step forward this year as well. He missed, he missed some games. He only played 12 games last year. This question though, or this is the the one where I was asking in the chat, like who are the top five, name the top five quarterbacks in the NFC. And it's like Hertz. Yeah, Gino, and then you're immediately in like the Jared Goff. Uh, I mean, is 30. is Stafford not up there when healthy? I don't know that when healthy is a thing for him anymore, though. That's my thing. I, people talk about Stafford as being up there. I feel about Stafford the way kind of I feel about the Seahawks defense. I, I've got to see him play well again. As far as I'm concerned, he's washed and done until I see reason to think otherwise. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, like the NFC, like I, I, I probably discounted Goff, uh, especially considering that I think that Lions team could be pretty good. But like, yeah, it's it's a uh, try to name, yeah, try to name three quarterbacks that you are confident will throw for more touchdowns than Geno. I think that's that's tough. I don't, I don't want to say it, and I, I'll deny it. I'll, I'll somehow scrub the record on YouTube. I think Brock Purdy's going to be really good. I think he has every reason to be the best quarterback in the NFC this year. I, I don't want the it to best be quarterback. Yeah, in the NFC, over by a numbers Hurts. perspective, at least. You're the Jalen Hurts guy. I, I well, I love Jalen Hurts, and Jalen Hurts is a more 
he has more to offer at the quarterback position. Um, and I think I, I would certainly have had the choice. I would take Jalen hurts over Brock Purdy. I think he is a perfect fit for what they do in San Francisco. I think he's got great weapons. And I think the main thing that could potentially hold him back is if that offensive line, especially at right tackle takes a step backwards. I don't want to believe it. And I'm be happy to have you shove it in my face. But I'm pretty worried he's going to be really good. Did you say league? NFC. NFC. Okay. Okay. All right. The best? I mean, anyone that that has Kyle Shanahan as their coach, any quarterback, that immediately puts you up there a ways. How'd you drop that in so casually? That's for you, Evan. I mean, like I said... I will deny it if any 49ers fan gets a hold of this, but um, yes, Josh, who's who's on chat saying I'll be relieved if uh, if I'm wrong about this, you are damn straight. I'll be relieved. I I'm really hoping we get some Sam Darnold time for sure, but I think we're gonna look back at the preseason and be like, why was everyone talking about Trey Lance? The the 49ers are a powerhouse and they've got a great young quarterback on the cheap. That's what I. That's what I'm worried is going to be the case, and and if that's the case, Brian, we're fucked. I know. And they're I going know. to win multiple Super Bowls. They might. Um. So let's hope that doesn't happen. Because if they don't win it this year, then I think we're in a good sh- good shape. All right, let's keep rolling. Um. So next two things are injury related. Let's talk about this. Jamal Adams, J- Jordan Brooks. If you had asked Jeff Simmons and Brian Nemhauser who how many games Jordan Brooks and Jamal Adams were going to play before the preseason, we would have said at most like six, seven, something like that. Uh, they're both off pup, and Jordan Brooks sounds like he's starting week one. Jamal Adams probably won't, but uh, the question here, the prediction is how many games will Jamal Adams play this year and how many games will Jordan Brooks play this year? Evan, once again, uh, I, I just, you know, I can't stop saying it. Your predictions always make me laugh. Um, and, and the fact is you've been right. So they, they can't all be silly. You predicted Jamal Adams would play how many games this year? I, I don't say this with happiness in my heart. But I need to see him play a full game before I can confidently predict beyond one game. <laughs> So I, I, in my heart, I am prepping for the worst. Uh-huh. I, but in all seriousness, though, I know this injury he's coming back from is super intense. Torres quad, like this, it could be a career-ending injury. He may not be the same player, and I'm just very worried about him. So, what are you predicting? One game. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, I hope that's not the case for Jamal. Can you? I mean, God dang, guys. I mean, could I don't? I want to speak that very work? carefully. Can you imagine all that work to come back and play one game and be out again? Oh, I hope that. I really, really hope that's not the case. Jeff and I are aren't much different. Uh, I've got him at six games. Jeff's got him at four. Jeff. <sighs> Say 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 a little bit about your your thoughts there. Uh, every time like Pete tries to say something nice about him, he immediately goes into caution mode. 
And he just every it's hard to see him get recovering and being able to last because he plays such a like a vicious style. And for Jamal to be good, he's gotta be so physical and he's gonna be blitzing and he's gonna be playing linebacker and tackling. It's just I think he's gonna get hurt again. It's just everything I've seen in the last three years. It's hard not to just think it's gonna happen again. Um Dana has him at 17 games. Bless your heart, Dana. Dana loves her Jamal. I, I don't know if I see him playing in week one. I mean, now this is a this is a little bit of a trick question. I didn't even realize it was a trick question. I will count playoff games. Hmm. I will count playoff games. So Dana officially if this if he misses week one plays into that even week two and they play a couple games in the playoff and he plays i will count those for you oh um most folks you know we've got six for me one for evan four for jeff nathan you're at 12 more bullish dana 17 derek's 14 josh nine trey so we're all over the place on this one i don't think any of us really know any reason you know you're feeling a little more bullish nathan no, no, I mean, I think he's, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, fine. Trying to predict injuries is hard. It is. Jordan Brooks, interestingly, there's a lot more uniformity in our predictions there. Um, basically, Nathan, you are the have the least, you say, 11 games. Derek's got, or sorry, Trey's got 17, so he's kind of an outlier. But everyone else, Trey, Derek's got 15. The rest of us are all in between 11 and 15. So basically, we're all saying Jordan Brooks is going to play most of the year. Um, I think that's that's interesting. We'll see how that plays out. Now let's get into our young guns. Um, last year, the Seahawks arguably should have had the offensive rookie of the year and the defensive rookie of the year. Uh, again, arguably. They now have two guys in Devin Witherspoon and JSN who could be in the running again this year. Um, for defensive rookie of the year, what is your expected finish for uh Devin Witherspoon uh not finishing in the list is an option and there were a few guys Dana Derek Josh said Devin Witherspoon is not going to even be in the the voting for defensive rookie of the year um Evan you and I have him winning it yeah I think I mean I'm all about Devin Witherspoon like I think he's gonna have I think he's actually going I think Maybe we had a prediction on this. I think he's going to lead our cornerback group in interceptions this year. I really do. I think he's going to get the ball thrown his way a lot. I think teams learned from Tariq Woolen throwing his way last year. And I just think he's going to have a lot of opportunity. So that's where I'm at. I mean, we can include that, that there's another question here, uh, a prediction about who's going to lead the team in interceptions. You and I both have Witherspoon leading him, leading the team in interceptions. And I feel the same way. I think he's going to be put, I think the nickel position is a great place for him. I think he's going to be in a playmaking position. And uh, I think as long as he can stay healthy, uh, I feel really like he, uh, he could be in it. <laughs> Let's just say this. Uh, if he runs rookie of the year and Jalen Carter is good, then I think we can all handle that. Uh, even if he's second in voting for rookie of the year and Jalen Carter wins rookie of the year, <laughs> defensive rookie of the year, I think we could all handle that. Uh, if Jalen Carter wins rookie of the year and Devin Witherspoon gets no votes, that will be a rough one. Um, that would be a rough one. 
Um, uh, all right, let's keep going. Um, well, yeah, I mean, Jeff, Nathan, you have them at fifth and fourth, so you have them competing, but not necessarily in the top. I mean, I don't know if you guys have anything you want to say about that. Just a lot of other good rookie defensive rookies out there. Will Anderson, Jalen Carter, you know, a bunch of other guys that got drafted high defensively. So there's just a lot of competition there. And if I think if a cornerback isn't getting picks, then they aren't going to get any kind of consideration for uh, rookie of the year, even if they play really well. So I think, you know, it's just tough, I think, for a corner to win it. And I know I know one just did last year, but still. Yeah. Uh JSN uniformly is someone we're all excited about bullish on um, his rookie of the year voting. Where do we think he's going to finish? Um, only Jeff. <laughs> what the fuck, dude? Only Jeff has him not finishing anywhere in the voting. Is this the same thing? Like, because I told injury? you I did it all on that one day. <laughs> emotionally traumatized <laughs> yeah, i did not know you were this fragile dude dude jsn was like the one thing this year that like i was most excited about and then when it seemed like he was going to be gone for a while i'm just like well, they don't have a third receiver is jsn's not going to play till week eight can't get the counting stats okay internet seahawks twitter activate we need some memes of jeff looking longingly at jsn maybe some like tears after the headline of him getting injured maybe like rejoicing after the news that he was back on the field jeff i don't know if i've ever seen the kind of love affair this is like notebook level shit going on here with jeff and jsn there is a a a bond that will endure um and i think it's going to either take him all the way up to heaven or, or down to hell this year we'll have to see yeah. yeah this is sort of before the bobo thing started emerging but like when i was starting to think bobo feels too many of the snaps Does yeah maybe I, maybe my bitch should be i should hate bobo when everyone else <laughs> loves him <laughs> i don't believe you could do it jeff you don't know i don't think yet. so either but that would be a good bit I, evan i'm gonna need your help on that one <laughs> So I, I actually made a late change here. I, I actually had JSN as first in Offensive Rookie of the Year voting, but I moved him to second because I totally forgot that the Falcons drafted Bijan Robinson, and they have a fairly decent offensive line, and I think there's just a very good chance they pound the rock all year with him. And if Bijan Robinson goes for 13, 1,400 yards, it's hard to see him. It's hard to see JSN winning over that. They love the rushing yards. The league does. Yeah. I'm not saying it's right, but I, I think. It's no, I, I think running backs are usually a pretty good bet for rookie of the year on offense just because it's it's a lot easier for them to to yeah. put up put up numbers. It's why Kenneth Walker should have won. Like literally no one's put up the numbers in the last, I can't remember how many years, that Ken Walker did as a rookie and didn't win rookie of the year as a running back. I mean, they were pretty automatic um, with the numbers he put up. Uh, I have him at fourth. You know, I, I think he could win, but I also just, for me, it's, it's uh, how is he going to be the number one target for, for this team? I think there's a chance he might be, but at this point, I still think Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf are going to be taking a lot of, um, a lot of the targets. 
I think that the Seahawks offense is still going to be like wanting to run. So I don't know how many additional targets there's going to be. I think he'll have to steal from the tight ends from last year. Still not sure that's going to be enough. Um, not, this has nothing to do with me thinking of whether he is as good as like Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave or those guys. Um, he doesn't need to win rookie of the year for me to think he was a friggin' great pick. Um, so let's just see and hope that he plays real well. And there's just a lot of competition. Like um, he could have a great year and lose it to Bijan or lose it to Gibbs or yeah. the quarterbacks, Young, Stroud, maybe even. Yeah, like, that's know, a good call on the quarterbacks. Who would you say, Jeff? I said Anthony Richardson might put up a lot of counting yep. stats. Yeah. 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 That would be. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Um, they don't do AFC NFC, right? That's it's just like the no, whole league. Yeah. It was yeah. Walker versus Wilson last year. Yeah, exactly. That's right. Um, and then we we did an over under on related to this JSN's receptions, and I picked seventy five, and. I picked that because I feel like that's the number where if he goes over that, then he is really burst onto the scene. Like Seahawks receivers, unless you're a Lockett or a Metcalf are not getting 75 catches. Um, I don't think it's crazy as a, as a, as a slot receiver in this offense. I, I think he could be Gino's favorite target, but over under only Derek, Josh, Derek and Josh had him as over 75. All the rest of us had him as under. Any of you have this as like a, you had to think about it? I went insanity check to see like that. Hey, it's hard as a Seahawk to catch 75 balls. So like how, how accurate is that? It's pretty accurate. I mean, there are definitely years where both Tyler and DK do it. Um, but, you know, a lot of years where only one and some years where not, no one did like 2018, nobody caught more than 60 balls. Um, so that kind of combined with, you know, maybe he misses a week or two. I think it just makes it really hard. Okay. We are, we're coming down the stretch here related to this as well. Um, Jake Bobo, Jeff's arch nemesis. Uh, how many receptions is he going to have on the year? Jeff, you had a very uh, bold prediction here. I think this could be record setting. I just looked. I think I had zero. You, you had 200. So he's going to catch yeah. 200 passes this year. I think yeah, you were feeling the only receiver. They're going to go with the one receiver set all year. <laughs> um, that was meant to be 20. <laughs> 20. All right. I will update it for you. I think you're being silly, but I'm going to, I will take 20. That's fine. Josh, Josh Cashman, Josh Cashman, calling Josh Cashman. You did not fill in your Jake Bobo prediction for reception. He put it in the, uh, the group chat. I think what, did he, what did he put? I think he said like 20 or something. All right. Maybe he just means zero. Uh, you know, I, I'm not his. I'm not his Google Sheet boy. He can go in here and enter twenty. It's not a hard thing to do. So I'm going to leave it at blank until he decides to do it. Otherwise, it's not going to count, Josh. And this is bragging right. So I advise you do it. You have until the season starts. Um, we're all pretty much in this roughly the same area. Nathan, you're pretty bullish, dude. You got him at twenty-eight receptions, man. So I went and I looked, and this is when we thought that uh, JSN might be out for longer than uh, the, I got my feelings about here. I, I got I pulled a Jeff. <laughs> no, so, okay, so I went and looked. wait, 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 wait. People don't need to know. They need to know Derek and Nathan's like Nathan's like usually kind of like pessimistic, or maybe he's like I'm. I really don't like the running backs. 
Derek and Nathan are the biggest fanboys of receivers. Like they get like they're a titter when like anything to go with receivers. So like I am not surprised, but now please go no, on had, and tell us about your, your Jake Bobo prediction. I've had to try very hard to not be contrarian about Bobo. Like I, I, I went back and I was like trying to find like catches and stuff and find reasons to not be excited. And like, I mean, he looks like he can, he, he can play like he, he understands like the basics. And so I, I don't think he's a, a joke. I don't have high hopes either, but okay. So here's what I did. I went and looked at last year. Uh, Derek Young had two catches. Kay Johnson had two catches. Penny Hart had three catches. Uh, Laquan Treadwell had six catches. Uh, Dwayne Eskridge had seven catches, you know, and then Marquise Goodwin had 27 catches. Um, so even before, like, there, there are just there are 28 catches out there for a fourth wide receiver. And, and that's, you know, again, I thought he might, I thought JSN might miss three or four weeks or something or two, three, four weeks. So, you know, he's getting a few catches a game until JSN comes back. And so I just, I thought he, I think he'll get a, he'll get a few balls. All right. Bonus prediction live on show only for this, this, this foursome. Okay. Who's going to have more receptions this year? D Eskridge or Jake Bobo? I mean, it's Jake Bobo, right? Like, think about it. So, DS Grid six game suspension, but if he comes back and the team has him as the 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 fourth receiver, Bobo's getting nothing the rest of the year. So, wherever he's gotten through six games, will be all he'll ever get. I am probably the biggest D fan and of any of us, and I just like that dude was ready to go last year and they were just like it's cool we got marquis it's fine we got <laughs> the contract like nothing, and i know he's had some hype in the the preseason and stuff but then he goes and has the six game suspension the theme i think for this show has been like it's the the this is the show me the show me here yeah. right like prove to me that you can get on the field at all and not as a running back not just to take some end arounds before I'm going to say you're going to catch like more than seven balls you did last year. Okay. So you're, you're Bobo is your answer. I think so. Jeff. God, I can't even keep this bit up as much as I want to hate Bobo for this bit. I really don't like D Eskridge. So I'm, I'm already ruined. I'm going with Bobo. Uh, it was very telling. Like he comes into the year with all this hype from Gino. And I think Evan was getting mad about that hype in off seasons and rightfully so and the first play of the preseason he gets hurt again on a kickoff and it's like this guy just can't stay on the field i don't now that the six game suspension i thought they might cut him so i don't know how many years he's got left in his contract he's got one or two years left but i think gino really likes bowman i think the coaches are going to really get comfortable with them where d you just can't trust him so I'm, I'm just, gonna, yeah, go ahead. I'm just not convinced. Like, like you kind of just said, or uh, alluded to Jeff, I'm not convinced D Eskridge is going to be on the roster all year. Like, do you guys really think he'll be around for a full 17? I mean, I'll say this. I, when I asked this question, my answer when I started was Eskridge. I, I, I think as much as I like Bobo, I think that Eskridge is a 
more talented receiver. And if he's healthy and he's able to get on the field, he can be a really ideal complement to some of the other guys. If he's actually made the steps forward that they've said he's made, which so, is a big F. So D Eskridge had seven receptions last year. I know. I know. Um, think in six less games. Here's the thing that, that really gives me the biggest pause about it. Evan is I think Bobo, it's not just that he's a good receiver. He's, he is a significantly better blocker than Scridge. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that's what that Nathan was thinking about that deeply, but you better believe that matters to Pete Carroll and to the staff. Yeah, I want to be clear. I think Bobo's getting more receptions than him. Okay. Who's faster, Bobo or Charbonnet? <laughs> Bobo or who? Or Zach Charbonnet. <laughs> he really doesn't have the burst that like everybody was. Charbonnet has not looked good. Yeah, we. I, I feel like that's kind of flown under the radar a little bit. Actually, we talked a little about not on the show, but it's, it's not very Yeah, Derek. Derek is the biggest Charbonnet detractor out among Seahawks fans for sure. Let, let's put it this way: that guy was a second round pick. If Kenneth Walker wasn't on this roster. How how much would we be talking about that pick right now? Yeah, well, we'd be talking about it either way. But but I don't know, man. Let's hope that in the regular season it, it shows up. But he has looked plotting um, and not special. And I you, I think that's the simplest way. To, like if you're a second round back, you should be special. Yeah. Like, so, and this is coming from someone who is a big. I really liked him in college. I was. Did not like the pick, but I was guilty pleasure, happy to have him on the roster. He's not looked great so far. And that is one of the other predictions we had to make here because I know that there's some of the folks in this group that are not Charbonnet believers and are like, oh, I can't wait for Kenny McIntosh, the seventh round pick, to be better than Charbonnet, the second round pick, and prove all our priors right. And Nathan, did you switch? No, no, no. Derek. Sorry, Derek. The biggest Zach Charbonnet detractor picked Charbonnet to rush for more yards this year than Kenny McIntosh. The only thing Derek hates more than Zach Charbonnet is Pete's dedication to running and running backs. I think that's probably, I'm going to speak for Derek on this one. Yeah. Well, Evan is the other person. (laughs) Uh, Evan and Nathan are the two people that have got Kenny McIntosh. Um, having more rushing yards than Jack Charbonnet. How do you think that happens? I don't believe it. Well, injury is, I think really the only way it happens, but I'm, I'm trying to, uh, trying to will it into existence. Yeah. I, I am not, I am not to the point of really worried about Zach Charbonnet. That's not where I am. I think you guys might be a little further down there. I just think he didn't look that great. Um, he could have a couple of games and I didn't, there's times Kenneth Walker didn't look so great, you know, to start the season and, and he really grew into his role. So we will see. Um, all right. What else? We talked about Bobo. We have not talked about sacks yet. Um, who had the most sacks who will have the most sacks between boy. Mafe has been getting all this hype all preseason. Who will have the most sacks boy, Mafe or Derek Hall. Um, Everybody picked Boye Mafe other than Dana picked Derek Hall. Derek picked Derek picked Derek Hall. Um, and Trey picked Derek Hall. 
Josh thinks that Boye Mafe and Derek Holler are both going to have zero sacks. Josh, like, where is where is this coming from? This this dark, this dark Josh perspective is not what I expect. Um, I think Hall's a better pass rusher. I just think Mafe is probably going to get more reps. That's why I ended up with Mafe. Is that roughly where you guys were? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Um, do you think either of those guys can become dangerous pass rushers? Like, let's say that's like, I know sacks is maybe not the best way to decide that, but let's say, do you think either of them can do seven plus sacks this year? You think that's realistic for either one? Uh, I mean, I don't want to say no. I think Hall might take a little time. Um, I think he could develop into a dangerous pass rusher. I don't know that he's going to do it this year, though. Um, I feel like uh, power guys like him take take a minute, take a couple seasons to really hit their stride. Um, so he, he might take a little while, but I, I can see him developing into something that's pretty scary. Yeah, I would agree. I, th- I think Moffat could be seven sacks this year. I think he's going to get a lot of playing time. I think that Hall's shoulder is... We don't know the extent of that injury because Pete was being very vague yesterday, and they don't need to talk until next week. He has been practicing all week, so. And Daryl Taylor is in a sling, so. Yeah. I think Derek Hall, if assuming he he's healthy enough to to play some snaps, uh, significant snaps, I I can see him getting up to seven more than I can see Mafe. Um. So, but it's not likely. Um, the other guys on the outside on edge are Daryl Taylor and Chen Nwosu, we just talked about. Last year, they both had nine and a half sacks, um, which that's I think we'd all sign up for that this year um, if you get that from your starting edges. Um, so the question is, what is their combined sack total going to be this year? I had them at pretty close. I had them at 18. Uh, granted, now Daryl Taylor being out could really make this tough. Um, Dana had them down at 12. Josh had them at 11. Josh was having a very bad day, apparently, when he was doing this. Uh, uh, Nathan had him at 15. Jeff, 14 and a half. I love the half sack. Well done. Um, Evan at 15. So it seems like relatively optimistic. I mean, that's that's not a terrible total for your, your edge guys, but, I mean, you'd love them to be closer to 20 if possible. Um, how would you guys feel if if Dale Taylor and Nuosu had 15 sacks combined? Fine. Yeah. I'm not happy, but fine. Like it's like it's like the bar kind of, right? Like you gotta yeah. at least be there. Yeah. yeah. Sort of like a 10 win season. Yeah. Yeah, by the way, can I yell at one more person in chat? Yeah, please do. Okay, I'll pro Seahawks. In other words, you guys think the Seahawks are gonna go nine and eight. Buddy, we just walked through every game and pre- predicted every single game, and every one of us had them winning at least 10 games. So rewind, start from the start, and, and then come back and talk to us. Yes, yes. we. A uh, couple folks had them going to the NFC Championship. So, you know, I, and I did call out that these prop bets do not always uh, tie well to the uh, game predictions. So uh, I understand some of the confusion. Um but uh, let's see. Who's going to lead the team in interceptions? Jeff, was this at all a tough one for you? Yeah. Yeah, I struggled. I thought of – I went through, like, a ton of different options there. 
but I want Tariq. That guy has special ball skills, and I don't think they'll be able to just avoid him all year because of Witherspoon, how many good corners they have. So I think they're going to have to throw him. Nathan, you had the same answer. Is this tough for you, or is that pretty straightforward? Um, I feel like picks are kind of fluky, so I, it was a little tough just from that perspective. But yeah, I came back to the same thing. Like I think Woolen has pretty special ball skills, um, and so I think yeah, uh, not I, I don't have a lot of. I mean, who knows? But like, yeah, I feel good about this one. Uh. I mean, another obvious name there is Quandre Diggs. Um, he's led safeties and interceptions for a number of years going back. Um, Dana has Quandre. Maybe she'll finally get his pick six this year. Uh, Derek also has Diggs. Um, Josh and Trey both have uh, Reek. And Evan and I have Witherspoon, which we already talked about. Related to this is who's going to start the most games opposite of Reek Woolen. So... <laughs> This is one that we've been all watching. You know, I think we all want the name to be Witherspoon. Um, Evan, Jeff, and myself, that is who we've picked. Dana, Derek, and Trey also picked that. Um, continuing his just depressing predictions, Josh has Mike Jackson with an, a, a frowny face in his prediction. Uh, Nathan, you have Trey Brown. Say more. Well, I guess clarifying question here. When we say opposite... Are, are we are you asking what is the cornerback who will have the second most snaps or are you saying who will play the most at the other boundary corner other boundary corner okay so i think i think this team's going to play a lot of nickel i think with, when they're in nickel witherspoon will be the nickel um so i think it's going to be trey brown or mike jackson i thought trey brown looked pretty good mike jackson looked pretty pretty rough in the preseason so i'm gonna go with trey brown Interesting. So I, I want to give you one more chance in case you, you, you would change your answer. Even hair. in that situation, this is who is starting, who, who is getting the, 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 the starts in base, um, not in nickel, essentially. Uh, who's who's the second quarter, the first quarterback on the, on the boundary when they're not in nickel? When they're not in nickel, then yeah. I will go with spoon. Okay. I'm going to change your answer then um, to, to, to make sure because you didn't have that clarity. So uh, cool. All right. We are down to the final four predictions, folks. Thank you all for sticking around. Give the show a like if you haven't already. Click subscribe and go to patreon.com slash hawkblogger and sign up and get access to the Slack channel for what's going to be a really fascinating Seahawks season. Uh, number of Pro Bowl players, offense and defense. This one's kind of interesting. <laughs> Josh was wild on this. All these negative Nancy predictions. Then he says they're going to have six Pro Bowlers on offense. <laughs> So, in fairness to Josh, he did pick them to be top five offense. That's true. He did pick Gino to have a uh, passer rating above 100. Uh, but, yeah. Who who would be, if they had six pro bowlers on offense, who would be most likely? Like, Gino, DK, Tyler. Abe Lucas. Ken Walker. Yeah, Walker. Cross. Cross and Lucas? JSN? JSN. Re- receiver I mean, is hard though. Like, yeah, they're so good receivers. Noah Fant, probably. You're being sarcastic, I, don't think, I, I don't assume. Think he right? has Pro Bowl potential. Okay, good. You know, you can't tell by his giant smile. <laughs> I, actually, to be honest, if they're really like the number one offense in in the league, 
I bet Noah Fant balls out, at least like numbers wise. I will say this. He had one catch in the preseason, as far as I know, and he looked pretty fast. He looked faster than he did last year. I'm just no so happy. To, Let's go. So happy to finally have like a strong tight end group. It's just something we haven't had over the past decade. Yeah, it is a good group. Um, and I will repeat what other people have heard, but they were the third ranked tight end room overall in receptions and receiving yards last year. So they were productive. Um, it just wasn't, it wasn't a all concentrated in the Travis Kelsey like player. Um, Jeff, you had them as one pro bowler on offense. Is this just your, is this just you and your tears uh, with the JSN thing? Is that what was going on? No, I just, it's sort of what Nathan or I think Nathan just said their best asset is that receiver. And there are so many receivers. It's hard to make the pro bowl. Like, I think Tyler's got one his whole career. And you think about like the two guys in Philly and, all the guys in San Francisco and CeeDee Lamb and St. Brown and teams that throw more volume and Seattle's going to be so concentrated between those three guys. It might water down just, I didn't say Justin Jefferson. And it's just hard. So much of that pro bowl comes down to total numbers and counting stats. And I think they might kind of take away from each other. And there's so many like mouths to feed. I really, the only one I can almost think of was Gino and Ken Walker's a good one. Uh, if he can stay healthy, that's a that he he might be the other one. But to me, the only like one I can think if he, if Geno plays well, I think he's like a lock based on how shitty the rest of the NFC quarterbacks are. Yeah, I think Geno's the best bet. I think Ken Walker's a pretty good bet, and I think that one of the receivers is a pretty good bet. Like I, I could argue about all three of them, but you know, I think I think this offense will be if Geno's as good as he's going to be. I think one of the receivers. I think. The offensive line is the big I'll, – I'll say this. If the Seahawks have two Pro Bowl offensive linemen, I don't care what position. If they have two Pro Bowl offensive linemen, they will have a top five offense in the NFL. Yeah. I don't predict that they're going to have any Pro Bowl offensive linemen. But if they have two, then I think that this is a totally different conversation. Do you guys, do you guys think any of these these linemen are on the cusp of being Pro Bowlers? Damian Lewis. Is that a joke? That... I don't know. Go ahead. Oh, well, are you serious about Damian Lewis? He was the best lineman last year. Yeah, I think he was he. I think like for the... Pro Football Focus, yeah, but. Mm. There's moments where, like, the offensive line guys think he looks dominant, but it's just he's so inconsistent. Yeah. Uh, I think, is it possible that they have two guys that play at a Pro Bowl level? Yeah. I think it's, a, it's so hard to predict, whether like, who will actually get the recognition. I feel like Abe Lucas is the guy that I can – I feel like has the potential to jump into that mix at right tackle i think right tackle is a little bit more of a mixed kind of position anyway and you always like centers a position that is weird and like you can have guys make it that i mean there's not necessarily there's not a creed humphrey in the in the nfc there is a john michael schmitz but um you know there's there's the the guy down in dallas i always forget his name but um anyway 
I don't think they have a Pro Bowl offensive lineman. And I, I also, I go opposite to say if they have zero Pro Bowl offensive linemen, it's tough. It's really tough to have a top five offense if none of your offensive linemen are like at, at, at that level. So I think that's a pretty big part of this team. It'd be interesting to see. Uh, Pro Bowl players on defense, you know, much more, you know, we have between one and three predicted here. Derek's low at one. Um, a couple of folks have three. Who do we think are the Pro Bowl players on defense? Like, who are the – I mean, Quandre's made it every year. It doesn't have to be, like, the, the best, but, like, they'll make it. Reek and Kanoosu? I think Bobby. I think Bobby will get that. He actually still – It's a popular – he was, like, second team all pro last year. Yeah. He couldn't even cover anyone. So, he'll always get that popularity vote. Unless yeah. he completely falls off a cliff this year. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't think Draymond really could be that. It's possible, but it seems really unlikely. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, I mean, we could have some, could any of the safeties potentially and, and any of the corners, I mean, it's possible. So we'll see. All right. Last two predictions here. Points per game on offense. Last year they scored 23.9. That was lower than I remembered. Actually, it was a little bit lower because I just think thought about them being a pretty powerful offense. Um, so we predicted how many points per game are they gonna score this year? High water mark, Mr. Bipolar, uh, Josh Cashman had him at 26.1, most optimistic. Um uh and maybe you're right, Nathan. This kind of is the the consistency with Josh. For the most part, he is very bullish on the offense and very negative about the defense. Um I'm next with 25.5. Evan, you're 25.1. Jeff and Nathan, you guys are doing your twinning thing again. 24.2. <laughs> Down to the decimal. What is it with you guys? It's really weird. I was like, because I just looked at it. I was like, uh, I don't know, 24.2. And then I looked and I was like, ah, oh, damn, Jeff. You're like, oh, God. <laughs> Adorable. So um, basically, if you take JSN out, it's just like I've become Nathan. That's like my fault. <laughs> <laughs> well, I... Uh, I don't know, guys. If they go from 23.9 points a game to 24.2, that would be pretty disappointing. You you mean 23.9? That's what I said, I think. Oh. 23.9 to 24.2. I mean, that probably makes them like the seventh best offense in the league or something. Like, I don't I, I don't see that as disappointing. I think that's still good. It's just, like I said earlier, like I think a lot of what Evan was saying about the growth and the vibe and these, what they're building here, I think that's all real. A lot of these guys are still young. Like, you know, JSN is going to be really, really good. He's a rookie. And rookie receivers, I mean, they can do things, but like he's a rookie third wide receiver. And, you know, I just, I don't think this is the year where they take a big jump from what was already a good team and a good, a very good offense to something truly elite. Yeah. I feel like if this offense doesn't score over 25 points a game, then I'll be pretty disappointed. Um, I I honestly started with them at like 27. Um, it was a down year scoring for the NFL last year. Um, 23.9 being the ninth highest scoring offense is kind of wild. So um, I don't know. I could see them jumping up into the 27s, but I've got them at 25. On defense, they, they allowed 23.6 last year. 
Uh, I mean, they barely scored more than they allowed. Um, And, (laughs) you know, (laughs) Josh has them allowing 25.5 this year. So getting worse. Uh, Evan also has them getting worse at 24.6. Nathan and, and Jeff are pretty much the same. 23.1, 23.4, 23.1, 23.4, like basically the same defenses last year, scoring wise. I had them improving 21.3. I, I'm the most optimistic, and I only have them improving by a couple of points a game. Um, so, look, that's all the predictions. Uh, and we've been on for a long time. So, I'm not going to keep us on for too much longer, especially for Jeff. It's, it's tomorrow already in, in his future world. Um, this these predictions these these like kind of prop predictions i think all of these everything all together feels like none of us are super optimistic about this team and none of us are super pessimistic about this team it is it is a transitional year of okay we thought this team was going to be really bad last year and they weren't they had a couple good drafts but they had some really bad play on the field in certain parts of their game and it seems like we're all in this camp like to nathan's point of like yeah, we kind of got to see it this year. Is that is that kind of how everyone is? I would say I'm probably more in the optimistic camp, though, because I, I definitely, I mean, I ended their season with an NFC championship run. Yeah. That would that would be pretty big. Um, I'm really optimistic about certain parts of the roster, like we've said, like really excited about the offense, but there's just areas of hesitancy that I really am struggling to build optimism around and until i see it i just uh i can't get over the edge so yeah um yeah i i I still feel pretty optimistic about where this thing's going like there was no point in the last few years where i saw any unit on this team that had best in the league ceilings and they have a bunch of them and like brian you made a good point about how many young players they've infused into this roster in the last two drafts and just now they're getting into the FAs too. If you look, I tweeted the other day, like if you looked at where they were coming out of 2021, the year before they traded Russell, and they had no tackles under contract. Daryl Taylor was like their only pass rusher. They Chris Carson had a career-ending injury. All their money was in Bobby and Jamal. They were really bleak. Like it was – they didn't have Dwayne Brown or Brandon Shell signed. and they, This was before they got the pick for Cross. They had no first-round picks. Like that team looked like it. I remember Brian, you were talking about it. Like they're like they're going to be bad for a considerable period of time. They don't make their Russell Wilson trade. It's very possible that happens. And they're really where they are now. And you look at how many groups have just like young depth and young talent at rookie contracts. It's a really good roster. Like when I talk to the people in the league, like they say, like this team in a year, if they can get that defensive line or offensive line figured out, this. They and they can all hit at the same time. They're ascending like crazy, but they just have those limitations right now. Where they're not like the 2012 team in terms of like upside, but like that team didn't have a pass rush, and you saw what happened at the end of the year. This is sort of what they are to a lesser extent. They just don't have the defensive line yet, and so I think they're a good team. I think they're emerging. I just don't think they're a great team, and that's the hardest thing in sports: is good to great. They need that one difference-making interior defensive lineman, and that's the one thing that the Jalen Carter thing is going to eat us alive if he's that guy. I think that's pretty well said, Jeff. And and those like 2012 roster, it 
I went into that season and we have video to prove it, but like I went into that season, there was a lot of that team where I was like certain about the quality that was going to be going on the field. And that I was, I knew that the rest of the NFL was still sleeping for the most part on what that roster was going to look like, you know, 2011 team had been under 500 if people don't remember. And so 2012, I was like, this team's going to be really good. And, um, I just can't get all the way there yet with this team. I need to see more. And so I'm more, I will be more surprised if this team is really bad than I will be if they're really good. So I'm definitely more on that side here. And I I'm, I'm excited to see, but like edge perfect example. It would, I be shocked if this becomes one of the better edge groups, you know, Mafe hall and Sue and Taylor, one of the better edge groups, in the NFL, I wouldn't be shocked. Would I be shocked if it's a really mediocre edge group? I wouldn't be shocked. You so know, right? Like linebacker, you know, offensive line, like you can kind of go through. So there's, there's a bunch of these groups where you kind of got to see it. So um, I think that's where we are. I'll just say this. There's a, there's a perfect comment in the chat that articulates this super well. It says, if we go to the Super Bowl, Brian has to do a nude calendar. That's not what it says. That is not what it says. That's what it says. Are we looking at am I one of us is insane? <laughs> you didn't know I could do that, did you, Evan? I did know that. I thought it was just funny. <laughs> <laughs> I just thought that was funny. You, man. <laughs> we have been on for a long time. People might be seeing things. Yeah. I, the funny thing we is we can I'm rotate sure, months. I, I'm pretty sure that Evan and I are sleep more sleepy than Jeff. Uh, at, at you know nine thirty, uh, then then Jeff is at twelve thirty, but that's just how things work. Jeff's a night owl. Yeah, I'm yeah. A night owl. he is. Um, all right, guys. Anything else that we want to close on before we uh, we wrap this bad boy up after two and a half hours? Run okay. defense, please don't humiliate me this year. Just like I, I have real. There's a real possibility that this could, if this continues to be poor would cause me like deep psychological trauma to watch this defense. So please just please. I, I just want them to be good enough to where <clears throat> the games against the 49ers have real teeth. Like I would like, I would really like that. It felt like David and Goliath last year. Yeah. I'd like it to be, I'd like it to be feel like a little bit more even that that's what matters most to me, even more than where they get in the playoffs. I just want to feel like the division that they can battle with the big boys and uh, we'll see. We'll see guys. We are basically a week away from week one of the NFL season at home against the Rams. We will have our first preview show next Wednesday uh, for that game. We will take patron questions. If you haven't already sign up at patreon.com slash Hawk blogger. We have space at our Ring of Honor tier, um, so you can sign up to be part of that. We get together for dinner with folks. It's fun. We've been doing it for years, so sign up, be part of the Ring of Honor, or just you know any level is great. We'll see you on the Slack channel. Feel free to share your predictions, and can't wait to see you all the rest of the year. Give the show a like, subscribe, patreon.com slash hotblogger. All right. Thank you to Evan Hill at Evan Hill HB, Nathan Ernst at Nathan E11, and Jeff Simmons at Real Jeff Simmons. I am Brian Nemhauser at Hawk Blogger. Been fun, folks. You now know how the Seahawks season is going to go. 
We will tell you how it goes week by week starting next week. Take care. Hey, folks, this is Brian Nemhauser. Thanks for listening to the show. Hope you enjoyed it. I want you to know that Real Hawk Talk is available on all major podcast platforms. Go ahead and subscribe. Have all podcasts delivered directly to your phone after each and every show. And then go ahead and leave us a five-star review. Helps us out, gets more people to the show. Then, if you haven't already done it, go to patreon.com slash hawkblogger and subscribe for just five bucks a month. Gets you immediate access to our Slack channel. Join hundreds of folks in that community to talk Seahawks about wins, losses, and all things in between. Not to mention, become eligible to win giveaways for Seahawks tickets and get to ask questions of the Real Hawk Talk crew every week on the show. Finally, if you haven't gone to hawkblogger.com recently, head on over. Tail the Tape Morning After articles are there every week. Hoping to see you there. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for supporting the show. Go Hawks.